0: Welcome Auburn into
1: the Friday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of the show. Today I'm joined by Cam Barry and Brant Daughtry for the full three hours. We'll also have T.P. Hammock running the board, taking your phone calls. He'll join us a little bit later in the show when we get to the Super Bowl prop bet part of the program today. Uh, but we have a lot to talk about on this Friday as we will, of course, preview the Auburn basketball game at Florida this weekend. Tigers not won in games in quite a long time. We'll see if the Tigers can change that. We'll break that one down. We'll preview a little bit of SEC basketball this weekend. We'll also talk about the latest in the coaching carousel world in college as uh, Auburn did hire their defensive tackles coach earlier this week, so it's not Auburn related. However, Uh, We had a couple of significant developments in the college coaching carousel today, including uh, a new coach at Boston College, which then became a new offensive coordinator at Ohio State, which then became a new head coaching opening out west at UCLA. So break all that down a little bit. Or in just a little bit, of course, we'll have birthdays and sports. We want to hear from you on the Orthopedic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at eight nine tiger 9 and, and then, as I said just a second ago, today will be a heavy Super Bowl preview day. We will preview the game itself. We'll take... A lot of these prop bets, most of them are game-related. Got a few uh, that are not, but most of them are game-related. So we will break down the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 58, in every way we can as we look forward to Sunday in that one. Ryan, Brant, and Cam with you here on this Friday edition of the program. We'll start with you, Brant. I hope that you are well on this Friday, and good to see you again, sir.
2: Having a good day, man. Uh, glad to be here. Been focused a lot on softball, What with uh, what's coming up for me tomorrow morning. Uh, well, actually, tomorrow afternoon is when it's going to start, but the morning is when I'm going to start the day. So uh, it have been focused on that a lot, but, uh, you know, softball playing right now. And, and, like you said, a lot of moves happening in the world of college football, kind of late in the cycle here uh, for these kind of moves to be made. But, uh, you know, it's, it's where we are in college football and certainly a bombshell with uh, Chip Kelly leaving UCLA to go be the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. And uh, if there's ever been a clearer indication of haves and have-nots with UCLA joining the Big Ten and immediately losing their head coach to another Big Ten team, I think, I don't know if we've ever seen it, but yeah, a lot going on in the world of sports, and looking forward to a full three hour show today. I, I'm off my my spring training schedule, <laughs> and we're going back to the the full time starting.
1: Did the hour and a half on Tuesday got approved to stretch the arm out and go all three hours <laughs> today? Cam Barry on the show on this Friday. Cam, how are you this afternoon?
3: Doing great, doing great. Yeah, a bunch of stuff with the coaching. That I, I I feel for UCLA because like like Brand said, you know, it's kind of late in the cycle and. So now in terms of just recruiting, all that stuff, whatever talent that UCLA has, it will probably be another kind of free for all with with the you know how how that roster is going to look moving forward. Um, but with, with Auburn, uh, a fantastic win against uh, Alabama on Wednesday. I was in Neville Arena. That place was absolutely rocking. Uh, may maybe the loudest I've heard it. Maybe the second loudest I heard it. I, I at the end of, the, of last season against Tennessee was I like. My ears were were ringing after after that game. After uh, how loud it was, um, a Lior dunk sent everybody into a frenzy. And, um, yeah, uh, but but this game was absolutely electric. Uh, the players, you could tell how badly they wanted this win. And uh, Auburn dominated. 50 free throws doesn't hurt, but uh, uh, it, it, they still played a very high-quality game. They stuck to their game plan. That was something that I, highly, uh, I talked about on Wednesday um, before the game is, is Auburn needed to stick to their game plan, not play Alabama-style of basketball, which is fast-paced. Uh, Auburn slowed it down and and played to their played to their strength of going to the inside and it benefited them greatly with Janai and, and uh, Jalen Williams combining for 50 points so uh, it, it was absolutely a, a great game and uh, yeah I'm ready to talk some Super Bowl uh, and uh, and talk about these prop bets and, and see what we got so I'm doing great how are you doing Ryan oh, thank
1: you for asking man I'm doing well I'm looking forward to this weekend for sure Um Again, this time of year, I, I love basketball so much that obviously I, the college game continues. But yes.
3: sorry to interrupt. Uh, yeah. How about these UAB Blazers? I know baby? I
1: was uh, la- uh, texting in all caps, Butter, last night because uh, Ephraim <laughs> Butter Johnson hit a, about a twenty-eight foot three to go up six I saw on FAU. That. In overtime, and UAB's won back-to-back uh, top twenty-five matchups Fantastic. at home.
3: Yaxel Limdeborg uh-huh. with uh, with twenty-one rebounds. 17 yeah, po- I mean, sheesh. Yeah, they if they had second just second highest in program history.
1: If they could have just hit their stride a little bit earlier this year, they might have been uh, bubble bound. They they might have been able to work themselves in the postseason. But unfortunately, they they took about a month or so to kind of recover from lose, having on the losses they have. Trey Jemison who has been playing in the NBA a little bit recently and, and Jelly Walker, who of course, a lot of people got familiar with. Uh, and and so they, they couldn't quite get going in time to, to make a real run at the postseason. But, I mean, in the conference tournament, they're fourth place in the American right now and they beat two uh, two teams that might be tournament bound in Memphis and FAU. So, we'll see. We'll see if they can make a run there. But, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun and I'm really glad Birmingham's been showing out for a couple of these home games and getting good crowds on national tv yeah i could hear it it was it was it was awesome so that that makes me very happy so thank you for asking about that but uh we are all doing well here on this friday as we get ready for the super bowl again we will be talking a lot about that especially in the second half of the show we have a list of 25 prop bets to get to i don't know if we'll get to all 25 but they are available to us if we do have time we'll also reveal sports calls player of the week in the four o'clock hour so we have a lot to do today so let's get going here on this Friday, we do want to start with Auburn basketball as they do get set for a date with the Florida Gators. Have not beaten Florida since the 1990s at Florida, and of course, uh, you know a lot of that time period, Florida would have been the better basketball program. So you understand that. But even the last couple Bruce Pearl teams to go down to Gainesville have not been able to right the ship against weaker florida teams again this florida team is not necessarily weak this team is on the bubble and and is leaning towards an ncaa tournament team but we still value auburn obviously as a better team this year however coming off the emotional high of beating alabama uh, by nearly 20 points in neville arena uh what kind of challenges do you see for the tigers in this game at florida
2: well, to me, the biggest thing is, like you just said, you're coming off that emotional high against Alabama. Florida is coming off of the midweek bye. They didn't. They have not played a game yet this week. That's going to be another added challenge. I will say that Auburn does get the benefit of the fact that Colin Castleton is no longer there. Hallelujah. Yeah, he played college really. basketball for a decade uh, and was really good the whole time and victimized Auburn a couple of times. So he's going to be gone. Um, and and I'll, I'll be honest, I have not watched Florida play basketball a whole lot this year, but I imagine the game plan for Auburn going forward, regardless of who their opponents are, is to work through Jani Broom and Jalen Williams down low. Uh, if they only if the other team has a big to match Jani, then play through Jalen because they're not going to have two guys that can stop both of them. So uh, that to me is the recipe for success. Play kind of inside out. Uh, you've got good enough catch and shoot three ball shooters. To, to make that work if they try to double down low and I feel like both of those players are getting significantly better at passing out of those double teams in situations like that so to me regardless of who the of who the competition is unless you just have a decided matchup advantage with one of your guards and they feel like they can get to the rim easily play play inside out go get get at least a touchdown low per possession and I'll let Janai and Jalen go to work
3: yeah it'll be a tough matchup obviously you're gonna have to go against a tough crowd in Gainesville and then that's your that's your first challenge and then the team itself this Florida team is pretty decent like you said Ryan they're they're on the bubble turning towards getting into the NCAA tournament they have pretty solid guard play as well honestly their weakness probably is their front court I'd say um, but they do have really good guards Um, their their point guard Zion Poland leads the uh, SEC in in assist to turnover ratio um, you know uh, and and Aiden Holloway is second in the SEC in that in that um, respect. Um, so they'll they'll have some uh, some some interesting challenges with the guards, and, and that's where you're probably going to need to focus on. But it seems as though the guards have been playing some really good defense. Uh, you saw it against Mark Sears; he did end up having 25, but it's still he had to work for that 25 that was not an easy 25 that Marcus sears had on wednesday uh, obviously he's still a really talented player and score so he's gonna get his eventually um but if you're auburn it, it's focusing on the guards uh and and i agree with what you said uh brant work inside out uh uh, work your work your game through Janai Broom uh, and uh, and Jalen Williams. Uh, those guys are on heaters right now. You want to continue that, and then uh, the you know if if you're the guard play, Trey Donaldson just needs to continue doing what he's doing, man. Just playing some high quality basketball. Um, I don't know. He scored what, fourteen against uh, Alabama, if I remember correctly. I think that's a career high, is it not? I don't know. I, I'm I'm not sure how For much Trey Donaldson. Yeah, I don't know what his his career. Yeah, he high did have fourteen. Is. I'm he, not
1: sure he, what the career high.
3: I don't know because I I mean I don't I can't remember off the top of my head if he scored that much. Honestly, I and that's got to be close. The only got to be close. The only one I
2: can think of is did he did he go off in one of those NCAA
3: tournament games last yeah, year? Yeah, he, he did I, have a really really good game. But I, I don't know if he got fourteen. He might have. Yeah, he might have. So that I I feel like it was close to a career high. Maybe it was like right underneath it. But he played a really, really good game, a really clean game. Uh, And and so him him in the starting lineup seems something that's going to be sticking uh, as he's just been playing uh, some really high quality basketball. What you got?
1: His season high, he just missed it, is 15, 15. against UNC ah, Asheville. Back up okay. okay, gotcha. But he has gotcha. a few other double-digit games. We have 15 and then that 14 second this year. Right.
3: Okay, so, yeah, I, I, he was close. And, and as he continues, you can tell he's getting more and more confident in really hunting his shot, using his body and his stature, because, I mean, he's got that football background, and he really can bang with other guys. And he can kind of bully uh, the small, like smaller guards uh, and even like just not as – heavy guards because he can he's just able to kind of maneuver and do what he wants to do. So uh I, I like what I've seen from Trey as he continues to to really take a, a big leap in this second year. So yeah, it, it's gonna be a challenge down in Gainesville. Haven't won since I wasn't even alive uh, the last time they won, 1996, Brandt wasn't TP, super
1: wasn't. That was my birth
3: year. That was I've been, that was I've been trying to keep year. it ambiguous. <laughs> Steve twice
1: on this show this week has said 1996. That's crazy. And I've been trying to keep it like eh, mid-90s, mid-90s because I didn't want to expose
3: the exact year. <laughs> yeah, so so it's been a very, very long time. And so if if you're Auburn, this is really probably one of the better chances that you'll have uh, to, to get a win in Gainesville. Uh, we have a super you have a super talented team and, and you just got to be able to execute
1: well first look on Trey Donaldson uh I think why he – I finally put two together why I've liked watching him play basketball so much. It's that because he is a different type of point guard than what Bruce Pearl has had at Auburn really the entirety of the time here. Now, look, they've had some really good point guards. You want to talk about Jared Harper, obviously, even the the short tenure of Kareem Canty. You want to talk about even Javon McCormick developing over his time at Auburn. Auburn's had some really good point guards, and even Wendell Green Jr. last year. But – they were all undersized guards i mean they're 5'10 5'11 guys uh, you know with their tiptoes yeah. uh, and so you know you had in guys shoes. that were were elevating from a long from, from from deep and scoring that way and being fast and up tempo guys and Trey Dawson can absolutely do all that however he does it in a much more compact bigger form big body. to where for the first time he is able to knock a defender back a little bit and be able to get a 12-foot shot. And that's not something that some of those undersized 5'10", 165 type of guys can do. And look, he shoots pretty good three-ball too, so it's not like he's – devoid of that, but he usually right. will keep it to one or two threes a game and, and does not shoot that many of them. But he's just he's so so different. You see him with five and six and seven rebounding performances pretty frequently. The assist to turnover ratio is still really good. Not quite as high as Aiden's, but just the pat, the outlet passing. Trey's vision's really good. He made a nice bounce pass to uh, Jani Broom in the Alabama game where he kind of split two guys and put it down at a weird angle uh, for a layup. And so he just sees the game very well and very quickly but he also is able to be controlled and and uh, does not turn the ball over a lot and just makes a lot of good decisions that's also part of being in the, in the sport an extra year than Aiden has so far. Uh, when you look at the Florida team, something that stands out to me, I don't know if I've ever said this type of stat on the show one single time. Usually I'm talking about two-point percentage or three-point percentage, maybe even the amount of threes you take. Maybe this team likes to chuck. Maybe this team knows they can't shoot threes. They don't try to. I don't think I've ever said the stat of how many field goals attempted per game a team gets off. But the reason I want to tell you that Florida shoots 66 and a third, uh, field goal attempts per game is because that is third in the country. So what that means is this is a fast paced team. They're going to shoot the ball a lot. They will rebound it pretty well. Uh, and they are pretty balanced in terms of yes, their guards do lead them, but uh, their third leading scorer is six ten Tyree Samuel, who's at thirteen a half points, eight and a half rebounds a game. They play two other bigs, Alex Condon, who or Kondone, who is six eleven freshman. He's at 7.5 points, seven rebounds a game, and Micah Han-Log- uh, uh, if I'm saying that correctly, probably not. Uh, he's at uh, eight points and seven rebounds a game, or seven points and seven and a half rebounds a game. So they've got three guys that are 6'10 or bigger that in the aggregate combine for about 28 points and about 22 rebounds a game. So that is a little bit more formidable than what Auburn just saw in Alabama. I mean, those are three size yeah, guys. Whereas even Grant Nelson, who's a good power forward, he's not going to be a defensive stalwart. He's not very physical. Uh, and so... Auburn will have a much more difficult time simply just pounding the ball down low. Now, that doesn't mean they don't need to do it. Their best offense is clearly running through Jalen Williams, Jani Broom primarily, and, and, and Donaldson and, and company getting those guys involved. But I do not think – well, A, they're not going we'll to shoot 50 free throws. That's going to really shock some people. <laughs> but B, uh, they're not going to just – I don't think at least completely overwhelm for it. Now, Broome is really damn good. I think he is as good as any post player in this league. So common, So knowledge suggests that, yeah, he's still going to get his to some degree. Maybe it's a little more difficult. Maybe it takes some more time. Uh, but, he, like, deny Broom, we expect a certain level out of him, and I still think they'll get it. But I don't think it'll just be eight out of ten possessions getting the ball down low and just smoking Florida that way. Uh, you'll have to go back to – creating stuff on the perimeter, making sure that when you take your threes that it that makes sense. It's mm-hmm. not a jack-up with 20 seconds left on the shot clock when you, you haven't been shooting well, that sort of thing. But this Florida team likes to score. This is not the type of Florida team that existed under Mike White, who's now at, at Georgia. And, and also part of that's because Todd Golden worked under Bruce Pearl yep. when he first got to Auburn. And Todd Golden did a nice little job at San Francisco for a few years. This is his second year at Florida. And you're starting to see... Uh, the improvement this year. Last year was not very good, but this year it's starting to look like an NCAA tournament team. So this should be a high-possession type of game, very similar to playing an Alabama team. The only caveat is that Florida looks to be – obviously they're going to be a little weaker at guard because Mark Sears is is better than any Florida guard they have. But – they're going to be much more well-rounded in terms of uh, being able to defend down low, even if it's not necessarily a ton of guys scoring down low for them. Although you know, three guys with at least some points a game—that's something. Uh, it is going to be a little bit more um, uh, of a resistant effort there down low defensively as Auburn tries to break down there, but still. You can't expect Auburn to shoot the way they did at Ole Miss. I mean, again, shooting 70% in the second half is is gaudy. Uh, Where are you guys at in terms of do you think it favors Auburn to play quickly? Uh, And also just when you're fighting a little more resistance, who needs to step up for Auburn if they can't just pound at will down low like they did against Alabama?
3: Yeah, I, I think, uh, I'm sorry, what was the first question again? I'm
1: so sorry. first question is, playing a fast game like this, is this the best version of Auburn when they're in a track meet like this? And then secondly, again, uh, knowing there's more resistance down low outside of Jani Broom and Jalen Williams, who would need to step up in, in that
3: situation? So I think that the fast-paced game does not favor Auburn very well. I, I think that when they slow it down and really get into their offense, they play their best version of basketball. Obviously, a fast a fast break, you – you go straight to the hoop, whatever, whatever you score, however that plays out. But when they're playing in the half court uh, coming up, they they playing slow has benefited Auburn uh, the most. Because, I mean, I mean, just take it back to Col- Coleman Coliseum, right? Alabama was playing really, really fast. Auburn tried to play fast at some point in time, and it just was not working well. They just did not get to their sets. I feel like they didn't run the ball. Even though Jani still had 25, they didn't really – run the offense through him he was just kind of dominating down there every once in a while and was able to go on runs himself But Auburn still did not shoot the ball very well just because I felt like they were rushing it now Some of those shots were quality I will say but again I felt like they were rushing it sometimes So I think Auburn just needs to play their style of basketball, which is kind of a a slower pace this year I think that would favor them the most Um, You know, I mean if they get out I mean if they start to get out and start to run then then, I mean it kind of is what it is as long as they're scoring but I think that it will will always benefit them to be able to uh, Score more and then or excuse me uh, slow the game down for uh, uh, if you're auburn and then uh somebody that needs to step up that's an interesting one i'm not 100 sure if you're not able to get to the bigs i would say i'm gonna still lean on i'm gonna still lean on denver i'm gonna lean on denver jones i think he needs to kind of get get going uh he he can he has shown that he can be a scoring threat an elite scoring threat uh so he he needs to get going i just think at that point you kind of need to lean on your guards him and trey Donaldson, honestly both need to just kind of play their play their game uh and kind of get things going still work inside out because like I said even if you're not able to pound it in you have to respect the bigs if you're Florida you have to respect Janine you have to respect Jalen uh and and that should be able to open up some things for the guards so that's what I expect
1: uh Brant same thing to you I mean again what kind of style do you think Auburn is operating best in right now and then uh X factors outside of those big guys
2: yeah I, I think that when you look at the way Auburn has played I think they just look better when they're in their half court set I feel like they're they're more comfortable uh, in in kind of slowing things down. I think they have the ability to go fast, but I just I don't think it works quite as well for them. Uh, I think that getting out in transition is still something they want to do, but if the easy if the easy bucket is not there, then you know you tend to see the guards pull it back out and, and set up in the half court. So I think that definitely that definitely helps it out. Uh, the X factor, as it always is, I'm going to have to list officiating in this game. You're going to have to figure out. <laughs> what is what are the officials calling what is their what is their brand that was a big reason Auburn beat Alabama is because they figured out that hey Doug Shouse wants to make himself known in this game so let's let's let them call 80 fouls in this 40 minute basketball games and and it worked uh to the tune of almost scoring 100 points but uh I think that that that's going to be the biggest thing. You're going to be in a hostile environment. It's going it, it, somewhere on the road, and Auburn just simply has not played as well on the road. Some of that has been foul trouble. Some of it has been they just aren't as good a team. And no no team in college basketball really is. It's obviously tough to win on the road in the sport. Yeah,
3: and, the, I mean, this year now more than ever. Yeah, it, I, it is. yeah,
2: absolutely, especially for teams that are in the top 25. I mean, it, it's been a lot of bloodletting. Uh, on the road in college basketball this year. So you're going to have to run up against that challenge as well, and I think those two things are the thing that outside of the players themselves are going to affect it most.
1: Yeah, sometimes this year, I I have finally figured out why I can't argue with some of these AP poll decisions when teams lose and they don't drop, because sometimes teams will lose in the midweek on the road, and then they'll be, you know, a decent tournament-type team at home or the weekend they don't move, because A, seven other teams are the same thing, but B... uh, People kind of, once you get about 20 games in, 15, 20, 20, yeah, about 20 games in, you start to lock in your opinions on what a team is or could be. And I did that with Kansas a few weeks ago. Kansas lost at West Virginia, who at the time was like 7-10 and 10 or right, something like that, 8-11. Right. and 11. I mean, West Virginia's not going anything postseason-wise no. other than a first-round Big 12 tournament exit. And yet, I left that game, I was like, I don't think any differently to Kansas. I still think they could win everything they want to win, and right. this, that, and the other thing. And, and you kind of have to do that with most of these teams, because they all suffer these kind of losses. Like, again, like Tennessee lost a couple times really early in conference play. I was like, you yeah, know, I still think do Connect's special, and they, I think they're going to be more helped in the postseason. Uh, I mean, and I could just go down the list with really all those top seven, eight, nine teams. So, uh, you know, that part of it is, is tough, and that's why if Auburn's hosting Florida this Saturday, I'm telling you Auburn wins 10, 15 points. I mean, just because they win by double digits at home is what they do. Uh, but on the road, it's, they're going to have fight tooth and nail again. and we're going to see how it turns out uh, tomorrow afternoon in Gainesville. We're going to head to our first timeout of the show. When we come back, we'll get to today's birthdays in sports. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9.
0: Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, Cam Barry, with you here on this Friday. TP Hammock, run on the board and taking your phone calls. If you want to give us a call today on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll free, one 9 tiger 9 Join us this afternoon going to get into some super bowl prop bets and that sort of thing in the four o'clock hour also our player of the week and a little bit more basketball for you but for now let's get to today's birthdays in sports
0: it's time for today's birthdays in sports
1: birthdays in sports today begins with todd light who turns 55 former nfl defensive back light played football at notre dame where he is a or was a two-time all-american light would be selected fifth overall in the 1991 nfl draft by the rams light's best season came in 1999 where he was a pro bowler and a second team all pro he is also a super bowl champion todd light is 55 today vladimir guerrero senior bad vlad turns 49 today former mlb right fielder and designated hitter guerrero is considered to be one of the best offensive bats of all time began his career with the montreal expos feels like a lot of great players did somehow they just never won anything before playing for the angels guerrero played for the rangers and ended his career with the orioles nine-time all-star eight-time silver slugger and an al mvp member of the angels hall of fame in 2018 guerrero was inducted into the baseball hall of fame one of the best bad ball hitters of all time vladimir guerrero senior turns 49 today jair alexander turns 27 current cornerback for the green bay packers alexander played collegiately at louisville before being selected 18th overall in the 2018 nfl draft since then alexander has been a lockdown corner as he is a two-time pro bowler and two-time second team all pro jair alexander is 27 today, and also turning 27 is Saquon Barkley, current running back for the New York Giants. Barkley played college ball at Penn State, where he was a monster of a running back. He was an All-American, two-time first-team All-Big Ten. Barkley would be selected second overall in the 2018 NFL Draft of the Giants. When Barkley had been healthy, he had been one of the great running backs in the league, Offensive Rookie of the Year, alongside being a two-time Pro Bowler. So far in his career, Barkley has over 5,000 rushing yards, 2,100 receiving yards, and 35 rushing touchdowns. I will not mention the livelihood of NFL running backs in the making of this birthday bio. Saquon Barkley is 27, and those are the birthdays in sports today. Todd Light is 55, Vladimir Guerrero Sr. is 49, Jair Alexander is 27, and Saquon Barkley is 27 let's go ahead and go to our next timeout. when we come back we do want to talk about the college football coaching carousel there was a couple of big changes today with some big name head coaches moving you're just never really done with the coaching carousel we'll tell you about that next
0: want to know how easy it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn
3: i'm jeff Whitaker jr former auburn tigers defensive tackle and national champion and you are listening to sports call on tiger 95.9
0: Welcome
1: back to sports call tiger 95.9 ryan lavoy brant Dontry, cam barry with you here on this friday edition of the program tp hammock is run the board and taking your phone calls today all right so college football coaching news uh, here on february the 9th notably a month after the season ended and for some teams two months after the season ended we are still going strong with the coaching carousel so we talked on the show a little bit about Jeff Halfley leaving Boston College a week or two ago. Now, at that time, the angle was, hey, here's some guys that really just don't like the state of recruiting in in college sports. They will take any NFL job they can get because he left to be a coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. Well, little did we know that would start another nice little chain reaction in the sport to where Bill O'Brien, who uh, had agreed to become the offensive coordinator with Ohio State, decided that... Boston College would be a great fit for him. Of course, he did coach Penn State recently after Joe Paterno, and that whole mess ended up and got them at least going back in the right direction before he left for the uh, Texans in the NFL. He returns to a college head coaching position. He takes the job at Boston College. So that could have been the end of it. However, it's never the end of anything, and Ohio State was able to go out and get Chip Kelly, to be their offensive coordinator. Yeah, the current head coach at UCLA, no longer, of course, Chip Kelly. So Kelly, a guy who had coached in two roles in the NFL as a head coach or two organizations as an NFL head coach, coached Oregon, coached UCLA in college football, takes a step down in title to go to Ohio State as the offensive coordinator. Now there is a vacancy at a Power 4 program in UCLA who, of course, has a pretty big name but not a lot of results to show for it for quite some time now as they enter into their maiden voyage in the Big Ten. Digest all of this, I just how surprising this chain of events, how surprised you are that Kelly is going down to be a coordinator, Bill O'Brien is now a head coach, just anything (laughs) and everything.
2: I I'll be honest. The Bill O'Brien to Boston College thing, yes, it is a part of the chain reaction, so we have to talk about it. It doesn't really move me. Boston College doesn't move the needle for me. They're just not a program that I pay attention to that much. Um, but however, Chip Kelly taking a demotion to leave a big time program, a, a program that is like you called it, the Power Four. Like they're they're a part of the big ones. That move was. Really, the, the Big Ten's answer to the SEC adding Texas and Oklahoma was adding USC and UCLA. Uh, and at the time, Chip Kelly was you know kind of all in on it and said, hey, we're excited to go do it. And now he is losing that part of his job. to He's losing being the head decision maker to go be an offensive coordinator at, at yes, a better program, but one that he doesn't get to run. And I have to wonder... How upset was he with UCLA? How miserable must he have been coaching at UCLA to, to take that kind of demotion? Um, I, I think it sucks for UCLA because now they've got to go out and look for a head coach. And like we touched on, uh, like you just said, two months after the season has ended, they are now entering the coaching carousel, and they didn't think they were going to have to do that. And it's definitely a a bad time for UCLA.
3: Yeah, very, very rough time for UCLA. I, I feel for him like you do, Brant. Uh, I mean... <laughs> It's just going to be tough sledding, honestly, for them to to go from here because the the all of the marquee guys are all gone. Everybody's yeah, signed something. You, Everybody's been somewhere. Everybody have an option. In.
2: Do you have an option outside of hire from right? At this exactly.
3: Point? You, you you it's kind of tough to really look look around, uh, and it's going to start if they do find somebody from the outside. It's going to start another chain reaction. Mm-hmm. So it's just a whole thing. Um, I, I it it'll be interesting, and and I, I agree. That It's also interesting that he decided to take a uh, a coordinator position instead of, uh, you know, remaining as a head coach guy. Um, I also lost sound as well. Um, But I I don't really know, um, you know, I I mean, coordinators are getting paid pretty decent at this point in time now. I, I guess maybe that was kind of a factor. It's like, well, I might be losing a little bit of money, but for the most part it's not the end of the world because i'm still getting paid pretty well as a coordinator oh absolutely maybe he's just was able to be like okay being the head man it's no big deal i'd rather go to this uh big program where i have it have a chance to win a championship uh at at a very uh at a at a program in ohio state that has really cleaned up pretty nicely with uh, the transfer portal so uh they've been able to to get some real real talent in there and So if you're Chip Kelly, you're kind of like, this is a pretty easy decision. I don't have to work as hard, and I can only focus on one side of the ball. Yeah, I'm going to do that. So, yeah, I I think this wasn't too tough of a decision for him. Well, look, I mean, I think that the UCLA
1: part of it is, remember, he almost got fired at the end of the season. that popped into my head just as soon as I
3: finished talking, too.
1: And I had talked about it at the time, and I was like, you know, it's kind of justified. Like, at least I see why they would be doing that because – It took a long time for them to really get going in any positive direction. It's first two years at UCLA, where they were three and nine and four and eight. Then they had the COVID year. They were three and four. So, I mean, that probably would end up being like a six win type of team, maybe seven. Then they were eight and four, then they were nine and four, and then they were eight and five this year. You know, it just I feels like they're already hitting the head on the ceiling a little bit with what he's able to give them. And then they go in the Big Ten, and you look at that schedule, they were probably not destined for certainly not anything better than 8-4 and four this year and definitely can make the argument if things didn't go well, they could sink further than that. Um, so it, it could be a little bit about that. It could be a little bit about uh, with UCLA maybe not putting the commitment in that they need to. Uh, to, to really try to stand back out and be a lead as they go into a different conference where the, the desires are a little bit more thorough in the, in the, in the football department there with, with those programs. And, uh, you know, I, just, I, I think it could be a combination of things. But it is fascinating because, look, you could absolutely still say Ryan Day is a better coach than Chip Kelly. No problem with that whatsoever. However, bigger name would probably still be Chip Kelly And so for him to be an OC, I mean, this is the type of thing that we uh, wonder about with other guys that recently got fired. They're trying to rehab their career a little bit. They're having to work under a big-name guy. Like, how do they coexist type of thing? Like, we wondered that with Bobby Petrino and Jimbo Fisher last year. Like, I I guess you don't have to wonder about how it coexists because this was so willing from Chip Kelly that he wanted it so bad he left a Power 4 program. But it's, it's a fascinating dynamic because Ohio State under Ryan Day has done everything but the one thing that they'd like to do. Right. And so, you know, they are very, very close. they got a great transfer world class. Like, this is the year they should be expecting should to be in the, to. the national title game. Right. Uh, and so with Chip Kelly kind of probably seeing that from afar – like, I can't think this dude is just going to just chill for the last five, ten years of his career. He's 60 years old. I mean, his next job's probably his last job if he gets another head coaching job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the dude probably went to UCLA thinking he'd stepping stone, honestly. like I don't think the dude wanted to retire at UCLA. I, I feel like he would have elevated them to a point, and then he would have been knocking down the doors of these major recent openings trying to get in the door because like that's just again it feels like that's who he is he left the great college program to go to the nfl he had two nfl head coaching jobs then went back to the pac-12 as soon as he went back to college i don't know he just feels like a guy that's willing to jump around and not necessarily trying to plant roots right uh as much but look at age 60 you're probably again you're 10 years or less ish you know so Um, time
3: to get to that final destination yeah
1: and uh, he probably sees this as if i make ohio state's offense look brilliant this year uh with will howard and quenshaw dunkins and all the things i need then i can get in a different and hopefully better situation than what ucla was and then that's where i will finish things off maybe that's his line of thinking but uh i think ohio state just continued to win the offseason because if i if i'm ohio state i end up getting one of the best portal classes and not because of quantity, but because of quality also getting Caleb downs is a big deal. Uh, and then I feel like maybe I made a little bit of a mistake because Bill O'Brien is like, I think he could do a job as a head coach, but as an OC, I don't think the the job at Alabama, he, he did a, a wonderful job there uh, by any means. Yeah, and I you know, yeah. I, I like, I think that you would rather have Chip Kelly's offense on than bill. O'Brien just, agree. just regardless of what you think of O'Brien. So uh, you, you get an upgrade there. Uh, you you don't have to have Harbaugh anymore at Michigan. Yeah. That's going to be a factor because he finally had figured out the formula to beat Ohio State. Um, and, again, one of your great rivals when you get to the playoffs was Nick Saban in Alabama, and he's not there either. And, look, Alabama might still be really good, but at least for them it won't be Saban. So uh, they, they have a, a really have had a great offseason in every sense of word. Now, for UCLA – for you guys, how attractive is that job?
3: Uh, I mean, Ooh. it's a Big Ten job, so it's got to have some sort of attraction, right? I, I think it's just going to be tough to uh, to get to get somebody. I, I just think that you're so late in the cycle with how this plays out. It's just going to be tough to get somebody, and then – you know you're going to have players that are going to transfer because they just lost their head coach. So that 30-day window is going to open. So who, uh, I mean, the most talented players might go to Ohio State. So Ohio State might win again. We'll see. Uh, I, I don't know how much talent UCLA has on that uh, on the roster. I, I I really truly don't know. But I mean, I'm sure they have there were some pretty quality players there that, that are going to want to go. At least offense. Yeah, right. At least, least offense. Yes. Yeah. Right. And so you're going to want to you know see see how that plays out so it, it'll be interesting i i just i do think the job is attractive i just think it's going to be tough to get somebody if you're ucla the it's going to be tough to get somebody that's legitimate and established at this point in time already you're probably going to have to go with somebody that's young and and kind of maybe making waves kind of just coming up um a name i saw was pj fleck that would be interesting yeah
1: I, I have yeah. soured on PJ Fleck. I think uh, yeah. he's okay. Yeah, he's, he's certainly not uh, the yeah. hot commodity he was three or four it's years ago. Okay,
3: here. yeah, it's okay, it's okay. And then TP also said David Shaw is interested, which
1: eh, I mean again, he again. maintained again.
3: Stanford for a little yeah, while. Yeah, it's it's, and then it's not it's not went off a cliff. It's, after and it's that. not yeah. UCLA. You know, it's not it's not UCLA. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not you know UCLA is is. It's L.A. It's flashy. Yes, it's the Big Ten, not Pac-12 anymore. But it's flashy. It's L.A. It's you, you want to make that splash higher. You, you know things like that. So it it'll be interesting to see what direction they go in. I don't. I I don't know. I I just think I think UCLA is gonna have to suffer for a little bit. Um, you know, a couple seasons just kind of figure it out uh, because of how this just kind of transpired and played out. Uh, I think this could have a rippling effect for them, uh, which is unfortunate, but you know, the things happen, and uh, I think that's going to just play an ultimate part.
1: Yeah, again, I, I do have some more thoughts on UCLA, but we do need to go ahead and take a phone call before the end of our first hour, 334 887 3401 locally or toll-free 1 at 888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the show today,
0: Matt from Tallahassee.
1: Matt is with us. Matt, how are you?
4: What's up, Ryan, Brent, and Cam? What's up, Cam? What's going on, man? Uh, hey, Ryan, didn't I say that Auburn
3: was going to score
4: 98 points?
1: Uh, you said they would score in the nineties. Yes, good call. Yep, yep.
4: And so, so like we almost—I wish we had scored hundred on Alabama. it have been nice.
1: One free throw away. Know, very one close. Free
4: throw. And I was close on De, on Jabron uh, Broom's almost thirty points, but he only scored twenty six.
1: Yeah, Jani Broom uh, had a very good game still though, with twenty four.
4: But I was close to thirty. Yeah. And I was close on. I was. I didn't say how many points uh, William was going to score, but uh, I was close on Javon Brown though.
1: Yep, sure was.
4: But I want to get you guys on uh, the question. Well, did I have time for trivia, real quick?
1: No, no, not today, Matt. We only got a couple minutes with you.
4: Okay. Well, here's what I want to talk about first. First, I want to talk. Uh, First, I want to ask Cam this, and then I'll get you guys comment. Cam, what do you think about the Auburn Florida game? You think it's going to be kind of like the Auburn Alabama game, or what you, what's your score?
3: I don't know if I have a score prediction. It, it'll be an interesting game, though. I think Gainesville is a really tough place to play in. Uh, I think I think Auburn's going to be tested just like they were in the old Miss game, at least in the first half. Uh, I, I'm sure Auburn will make some adjustments. Hopefully they'll be able to pull away a little bit. But it will be a fight. It will be a challenge. The Florida team is pretty decent. So you, you got to still come in and, uh, and play a, a solid game.
4: Uh, Brent and Ryan, what do you guys think? And who's, like who would you put on uh, for the guards for Auburn on the guards?
2: Yeah, I, I'm I'm with Cam. I think it's going to be a tough test. I think any time you play on the road, it's it's going to be a tough game. But uh, I think that Auburn can win this game. I, I think that Auburn is the better of the two teams. But like I said, playing on the road is hard. Uh, and if there's a scoring guard that Florida has that Auburn needs to slow down, I think my first option is Denver Jones. My second option is KD Johnson, whichever one of those two is on the floor at the moment. I think those are Auburn's best – defensive guards uh, more so than Trey Donaldson or Aiden Holloway so uh, those would be the guys
4: so um, and and stuff like, and I heard that uh, I think it's I don't know if you guys heard this I think it's the Braves that move into Columbus is that the Mississippi Braves or is that Atlanta Braves
1: yeah and not, not Atlanta it's the Mississippi double A affiliate yep
4: okay okay and so, But uh, how is, like, the new coach for Texas A&M and Bob um, uh, op- Petrino, how's that going to go,
1: do you think? that's going to work out for Texas A&M? Yeah, so uh, Petrino now at, at Arkansas again with Sam Pittman after working at A&M this year. Uh, very fascinating. Arkansas definitely welcoming him back with open arms. I think people uh, in Fayetteville are very excited about that. Time will tell. Uh, on that but I think Pittman is on the short list of first to be fired unfortunately in, in 2024. Uh, as far as AM with Mike Elko coming over from Duke I, I think that was the reasonable hire I, I thought that was a good hire for them and uh, you know they maintained a okay recruiting class considering the circumstances but certainly not what they were use, used to under Fisher but obviously they need more development than they got under Fisher
4: okay, Did Auburn stop by in the first game?
1: They, they unfortunately did not. They lost in extra innings.
4: Okay, so they
1: play tomorrow. Yeah, they have a, right? They've got one more game today. I think they got two more tomorrow, and then yep. one on Sunday.
2: Yes.
4: So, um, who's pitching for the in the second game for Auburn softball?
2: Don't know yet. Uh, probably Annabelle Weidra. I think Weidra. Uh, yeah. thank you. Uh, I think probably Annabelle Weidra is going to get the start, but it uh, has not been announced yet.
4: Have they announced who's going to pitch for Auburn baseball tomorrow?
1: Uh, Auburn baseball does not play till next weekend.
4: Okay, and who they play? They play the first game next week against
1: two? Uh Yeah, so they have a three game series. Uh, again, it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of the year uh, of the uh, of next weekend, uh, and I believe their first opponent uh, is Eastern Kentucky.
4: Okay, is there a game, is there still tickets for the game? I was looking online. And it says like. For softball tickets, like five dollars for standard room only, but it's not it's not sold out. The tournament's not sold out. There's still tickets available for softball and for
1: baseball, right? I know there's tickets for baseball. I, I do not know about softball, just with it being a smaller venue. Okay, and then
4: they they still have everything. They're still working on the baseball on the baseball field, right?
1: Yeah, they've got some other updates that they're working on right now, but they've got what they need to and play for twenty twenty four.
4: Okay, so Dana, do you have do you so do you have like to order tickets online for softball, or do you have to go to the softball field and buy tickets?
1: Uh, I'm not actually sure. I think if they have them available, they could still sell them to you there. But I think going online would be your best course of action.
4: Okay, well, hey, Cam, it was nice talking to you. I'm hoping you're on the show Monday. If you can't make it,
3: I won't be on the show, buddy. But uh, thank you. It was it was nice to talk to you too, man.
4: Yeah, and you guys have um, and so, so But hey, uh, Brent, hey Ryan. Yeah. Is uh, Tom still working on as his girlfriend for a trivia question? Probably right.
1: Oh uh, yeah. Well, I I, I don't I have not talked to Tom about it, but uh, we'll see what he's got.
4: All right. Well, hey uh, Brent, nice talking to you, to you. You guys have a good day. And if John calls, Somebody's fired and um, to behave.
1: Good to hear from you, buddy. Appreciate the Hi, phone call, More Eagle. Eagle, Matt. That is Matt from Towsie, Matt for Auburn, joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are out of time for our first hour of the show. Coming up in hour number two, we've got a lot for you. We're going to uh, finish our thoughts there on the UCLA opening, reveal Sports Call's Player of the Week, and start to get into Super Bowl 58 preview, preview of the game, including 20 or so odd prop bets. We have time to get to all of those. Stay tuned. A lot more ahead here on this Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: Power number two
1: of sports calls starting right now. Tiger ninety five point nine, the Tiger FM, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan Lavoy, Brand Dantry, Cam Barry, with you here on this Friday edition of the show. Again, TP Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls. We will get back to those phone calls in just a few minutes. Also, sports calls player of the week coming up in just a little bit. Uh, also wanted to go ahead, though, and finish our thoughts on the UCLA opening now that Chip Kelly has left for Ohio State. I asked Cam for the break. Now I asked Brandt about it. Just your view and perception of the, the desire or the, or the uh, just how desirable the UCLA job is.
2: Well, you're in a state where you are at least second uh, in terms of how good or how much people care about the football program. and what what your ceiling is you are a part of a power conference you're uh in a spot where you're going to get a lot of big time games against big time opponents and if you can start winning those then all of a sudden you close that gap a little bit but man I, I have a hard time thinking of how ucla is going to pull that off uh i think that it's desirable for somebody who's looking to prove themselves who's looking for that shot at a, a big time job where they get a chance to take on the best opponents. Uh, I don't know if you're going to get anybody who has a lot of options elsewhere.
1: Yeah, so I think that uh, with your move to the Big Ten, it changes the job a little bit, maybe for the worst, because of how more teams are competitive against you in that league and and certainly are trying to champion football at their schools. Um, I think... UCLA is really actually a tough job because when you look at having to be in a city that already has trouble giving a damn about college athletics from time to time, and knowing that you are second behind USC anyway, uh, I find that as you know something that is um, really hard to overcome when you're having to fight that many barriers and for you look you you if you wanted to invest the money i think you can invest the money i I think that you could do that sort of thing and 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 be okay but you've got to fight a lot of forces that are not necessarily a given at every every job and so for that reason and and again going into the big ten where i think there's even more schools uh in line to be difficult I think that it's just a little bit too much for UCLA to be an incredibly attractive job, not unless they're going to go through a whole new level of committing resource facility, that sort of thing. But again, you know, fan base is fine, but it's just not as passionate as those in SEC and even the big 10 country because it's just, there's so many other things. And I've heard several stories of Auburn going out there to, even playing the national title game and going out there for the Cal game, obviously this year and just people just not even being fully aware of what's going on college football wise. And so it's just that, that dilemma exists uh, going into a conference with a few more big time programs than what you currently were in and still being second in that same city, no matter how large the city is, it's a city not dedicated to the college side of things. So it's a very tough challenge for sure. And I, I think UCLA is in a pretty rough spot personally. I think Chip Kelly kind of understood that too after being there for a while and not getting a lot of traction, and I think that's why we arrived at today. Let's go ahead and go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1 at 888-9-TIGER-9. Up next in the show, Die Hard Die. Die Hard Die is with us. Die Hard Die, how are you this afternoon?
5: Very good. Where are you going? How are you all?
3: Or you are doing, doing well. well. Doing well.
5: Good. So, you know, we're, this is just getting out of hand with the uh, pay these coaches make, and now we're doing it to the players. I, I can't stand it. I hate it. We went from, you know, pay a player for all the shirts and stuff the university sells to come be a lineman for us, and we'll give you 70000 a year, more than a 40-year-old person that's worked their whole life gets. So totally against it, but I get it. But what I don't like is – that they can come in and take this money and then leave and ruin the program and take people with them, like Gus. I know we, I know that was on us, but think about how many players Gus has taken from us at a small school. How did Chip get out of that contract? Was it done? Was it over? Does he have to pay someone back? Because someone could come in and do that and completely ruin a program, like you said. It, it, you know, I couldn't imagine if I was a fan there and we got this coach And then he left, and then he's going to take, like, the three best players we have, and he's going to go somewhere else, and then play us and beat us. Like, that would turn me off from being a fan of the sport and um, just getting too much of that. Another example is that receiver that caught the ball against Auburn. You know, Alabama fell in love with that guy, and he just left him. Enough of that is going to ruin – if enough of that happens and you're getting your heart broken, it's going to turn into baseball where, you know – Someone doesn't stay at the team for long. It's just who's the, who's the players on the Braves this year? You know, and you got to learn ten new names, and it and it. I think it was one of the reasons why baseball kind of went down in the early two thousands. And if they keep doing this, they're going to lose fans like me that are hardworking guys that, um, you know, fill the that are the brokest person in the stadium <laughs> if we can even get in the stadium, and then lose on top of it, you know, and see the players high fiving and stuff. It's just. The money is going to kill this game. And I was just saying, if you know anything about Chip, of how that financially works, if he's just able to quit whenever and take the players, and there's no repercussions to that whatsoever.
1: Thank yeah, you. yeah, absolutely. Appreciate the phone okay. call. That's Die Hard Die joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Yeah, so for big-name coaches like that, they usually don't have what I'm about to say in their contracts. Uh, usually when you go to a smaller school, um a group of five school in particular there will be some sort of buyout for the coach himself to leave uh in other words uh you know i pay you you basically they pay the the school to leave um or pay back a percentage what they earned that sort of thing uh with big name coaches that is usually not in their contract um that's not something that's done at the big levels because you don't Really worry too much about other sco- other coaches leaving for other big jobs. If you're if you are a big job, and also you don't typically see that because uh, the desire you know, you're you're trying to when you're in the contract negotiating, that's going to be uh, a non-starter for a guy right. that has other options. Like yeah. the, again, that's some of these things seem ridiculous to us, but it has gotten to the point where you have to concede certain things to draw the interest because you got to have these jobs, and you got to have the right guy, and you know if you're a successful coach that people want, you can demand these things. So with Chip Kelly having been a, a, a guy that led Oregon into a national championship game, of course, against Auburn, uh, then you're looking at uh, somebody that could basically demand what he wanted to come back into the college sport. So uh, I will say in this uh, instance, and look, I, I understand that – I know Die Hard Die mentioned the – A larger point going on in uh, college sports with all the the money exchanging hands and players leaving that sort of thing. I will say in this situation with Chip Kelly, I I don't blame him as much because I, I almost assure you he was going to end up getting fired this year. They talked about him getting fired this year. It was coming out in the press, and then they beat USC, and they, they said, ah, we'll, we'll do another year. Yeah. I think he was lame duck because I think that they knew that they were not going to have a great year in their first big, a big tenure. They didn't want to subject a new coach to that. Um, and I also think that he saw that there's not much of a dedication and resource there at UCLA. So uh, – Look, the portal will open for these kids. Uh, they'll get 30 days. A lot of them will leave, especially on the offensive side of the ball, unless they hire a, a competent coach to keep those guys. Um, but, I, look, I understand the, the, the larger frustration point because we've heard it from many of our callers that um, everybody is transferring so many times. It's, A, hard to keep up with, and, B, uh, you, you grow attached to a guy, and then he leaves just because he's going to get a little bit more a uh, little bit more money, and, and that's very professional. Like if you don't like that practice in the professional rank, then you're not going to like what's going on in, in the college rank. So uh, I certainly understand that criticism that that is going to be felt by by many. I think, and uh, that's the nature of it. But again, with Chip Kelly's situation, I I personally as a just, just personally, I don't love the guy. Uh, he doesn't necessarily rub me the right or the wrong way. I just like it's not a guy like I just. I'm going to follow wherever Chip Kelly goes. It's not me, but I do think that if you look at what was going on at UCLA, yeah, I think that they were in the process of leveraging him in a sense of they're going to move on pretty quickly, pretty soon. So Chip decided to out leverage them and just go on and, and go ahead to Ohio State. So again, it's it was. It, it, a lot of it can be dirty practice if you if you go into the weeds of it. That's just the unfortunate part of it. But, um, again, I think that that job in general, I think that job is, is declining a little bit, even though on the surface you think it's going to a better conference. I think it's just becoming a more difficult job. And so UCLA was always going to have the attractive nature of, oh, UCLA is a pretty big brand name and it's in SoCal and who doesn't want to – coach there and blah 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 but the reality is is that when you confine these conferences to bigger and bigger amounts the middling or just just barely above average programs have to fight even harder just to stay average because i used that example in the sec coming into this year and unfortunately for them they had some pretty bad years but i was talking about a team like arkansas you need to win right now because when Texas and Oklahoma join the league, that's two more teams that historically you are not as good as. Period in the discussion. So you just drop two more totem totem poles in in the SEC. And for UCLA, moving from Pac twelve to Big Ten, like yes, they get more money, and maybe they maybe they'll commit it to, to facility over time. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't. I really don't know their facility situation out there too well. Uh, but also you're going from a league that historically you see like you make an argument for top four or five in the PAC 12. Historically you throw Oregon in there. You'd of course have USC and then it'd be a mad dash. You're talking about recently, you are talking about for 50 years, for 20 years, 80 years, whatever you can kind of go after it from that point. Well, you go in the big 10 not only Michigan Ohio State, you're not historically going to line up well with Penn State. You're not going to line up well with the other schools coming with you, because you're still with USC. You're still with Oregon. They're coming with you. So you're still below them. Um, And and so then, then there's other schools that certainly are attempting to be really good, even if a school like Michigan State's falling flat right now, or Wisconsin or Iowa. I mean, these are better challengers historically than your Arizona states and Washington states of the world. They just are. So uh, it, it's not the most attractive job for me right now, uh, and, and certainly that was a, again, pretty pretty big deal uh, to have what happened uh, today, all today, and then we'll see who takes the UCLA job. If it is someone like P.J. Fleck uh, leaving another Power 4 job, if it's someone else, if it's uh, someone that's not, uh, not coaching a Power job, we'll see, but uh, their next hire is going to be pretty important as they start things in the big 10 we're going to head to our next time out the show when we come back we will reveal sports calls player of the week and we're going to get back to the orthopedic clinic phone line you're listening to the friday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9
0: Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m.
1: Welcome back to Sports SportsCon, Tiger95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Barry, Brant Daughtry with you here. You okay over there? Yeah, I'm good. You got to make it through like another hour and a half. Yeah. I'm going to bubble wrap you or anything? <laughs> yes, good? yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so... Uh, just a second we'll get back to the orthopedic clinic phone line appreciate you for joining in today on this friday edition of the show however you may be tuning in whether on the radio the tiger communications app or after the fact on the sports call podcast presented by coca-cola it is getting towards the end of the week so it is time to unveil this week's sports call
2: player of the week Auburn 4, Jalen Williams, is Sports Call's Player of the Week. The super senior is coming on strong in his final year on the Plains and once again put up big numbers in both of Auburn's wins this past week, leading the Tigers in scoring in both games. On Wednesday against Vanderbilt, Williams scored 21 points, making three of four from deep, and added two rebounds and four assists in Auburn's 81-54 win. On Saturday visiting Ole Miss, Williams scored 16 points, pulled down five rebounds, and added two assists as the Tigers handed the Reds their first home loss in the season, winning 91-77. Jalen Williams is Sports Call. Player of the Week.
1: So Jalen Williams gets another Player of the Week honor, as, again, that Ole Miss game was uh, special for the team in a lot of ways. It was the first quad one win. Of course, Auburn will get second this week against Alabama, and uh, he will be a great candidate again if Auburn can win tomorrow in Gainesville after scoring 26 against Alabama. But, again, as mentioned, he had – uh, two productive games last week against Vandy and against Ole Miss. That sixteen point five rebound game was was very important in the Ole Miss game. He did lead uh, Auburn in scoring in that game, and uh, Jalen Williams has just been kind of a steadying guy for this Auburn ship this year. I mean, we know about Janai Broom, and usually he will bring it from night to night, but. Williams has been able to make sure it's not just one viable post-threat for Auburn. And, of course, he's got the stretch four ability too. But Williams, that that improvement year over year has been here a while, obviously. But you can really see it each and every year getting a little better and a little better.
3: Yeah, I have maintained all season that Jalen is the key for this team. His aggressiveness, his will and want to score – uh, and hunt for his shot because I and I think that's something that a lot of just Auburn fans in general have been calling for to say, Jalen, be aggressive, go get your shot, man. Like a lot of people, you know, it's, that little push shot that he does is just—it's automatic too. It, it, at this point, it's it's an automatic too. If he's missing that, <laughs> you're in trouble a little bit. But it, usually, I, I would say he he always makes that shot. And, um, yeah, I, I don't. I, he's just the key for me, just uh, with this team for Auburn. If he really gets going, it just opens up so much more for everybody else, H- him wanting to be aggressive. So he, he's been doing that. He's been searching for his shot this season. He's really been going after it. Uh, love what I'm seeing from Jalen Williams.
2: Uh, first of all, when that little sound bite started playing, I know that I record that. I record it every week. I write it, I record it, I post it, I put it in our thing. Uh, put it, put it in our little system so that it's able to be played for whatever reason. Even though I knew it was coming, it still shocked me when I heard my voice saying that. I, I don't know what's it's up. It's every that. single hey, week, man. It's <laughs> every, it's every single week. But <laughs> <laughs> who's that guy. Anyway, uh, it really does feel like Jalen. We've been saying for years about Jalen. Is just we really wish he realized how good he could be, and it's start. It's starting to feel like he is finally yes. living up to oh, hey, I am the best player, I'm the best scorer on this court. Like, as far as ball into basket, there is nobody better than me on this court, and he's starting to finally realize that, and having another big next to him in Jani that, that can take some of that pressure off and kind of let him go to work in a one-on-one situation, it's really paying dividends for him, and you know, it took him a while to get there, but he is now here, and it's certainly helping this team.
1: Look, Jalen Williams for the year now. He's at fifty nine point eight percent from the floor, forty percent from three, 81 one three from the on, foul line, thirteen point three points, five and a half rebounds a game. Uh, the only player on the team with a higher field goal percentage is Dylan Carwell. Of course, those are layups and dunks primarily. And so, Jalen Williams to shoot. Uh, Jalen Williams to shoot the types of shots that he mm-hmm. does. Uh, look, some a lot of them are close, but they're always contested. Close they are always the eight foot, ten foot leaners. Uh, and fadeaways and that sort of thing, uh, and again, it was not just that. This was really, if you just wanted to break it down to individuals, this was, it was not just Jani Broom. The difference in the Alabama and Auburn game from Tuscaloosa to, to Auburn was that Jalen Williams was relatively 100%. ineffective in in Coleman Coliseum, and he was incredibly effective against Alabama to the tune of twenty six points on eight of thirteen, also getting nine of ten of his foul shots to go. And, and so that really was just from an individual perspective a lot of these other things were kind of interchangeable or the same uh even from Alabama's point of view because Mark Sears had 25 I mean he, he was getting to the line often Rylan Griffin had another good game Grant Nelson not really from three ball but was their most productive guy inside the, uh, the two-point line but really the biggest change is from individual perspective was Jalen Williams yeah. in the Alabama game the first time
3: round was, was not very good and he was as good as he could be in the second absolutely. Round. Also I just want to throw in one more thing because I just need to say this even though I don't typically uh uh compliment Alabama players, Rylan Griffin is an assassin. Yeah. That kid can freaking that, shoot it. That I think I saw like
2: <laughs> on the season he's he shooting about thirty eight percent from three, which is really good. It. He's shooting over fifty percent from three against Auburn. Dude, the, the yeah, dudes, and he gets up for yeah. Auburn games. He yeah, does absolutely, he
3: absolutely has. Absolutely. I noticed it last year too. And and the and he that kid can shoot the ball, man. But yeah, Jani Williams. Uh, me, wow, Jani Williams. Whoa. That's great. If only. Um, <laughs> Jalen Williams is, is playing phenomenal. I mean, even Bruce Pearl said it, right? He, he was like, I I, I want Jalen to be a little bit more aggressive in how he plays his game. And and you're seeing it this year. It's certainly something that is welcomed. And, I mean, he's doing it efficiently. It is is it it is fantastic to watch. And, uh, again, I think it's going to be the key for Auburn going down the stretch. Um Having him just continue to look for his shot, continue to be aggressive, and getting him going early, that's something that I think is really key for Jalen. Getting him going quickly and, and, and just getting him a few shots up, I think that does wonders for him. Because even in the Alabama game, right, he he had a quick six points at the beginning of the game. And he was fine for the rest of the game. But if you if you if you don't kind of let him get his touches in early, kind of start him going, because Jani can turn it on at any point in time. We've seen that. He he might turn it on late in the first, he might turn it on in the second half. But Jani's gonna turn it on at some point in time in the game, and you know that's gonna happen. Kinda kinda the same with everybody else, but if you get Jalen if if you kind of don't get Jalen his touches early. Let him get his shots up quickly kind of in the beginning of the game. He kind of tends to be ineffective because he's not in a rhythm. He doesn't really have a lot going. Uh, so I think that also is something that that needs to happen for Jalen just to continue to play the way that he's been playing. So
1: Jalen Williams is this week's Sportscom Player of the Week and, of course, is well on his way to having another great case for it this week after – a 26-point game against Alabama. Let's head back to the orthopedic clinic phone line now, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 9 9 Next up on the show today, War Damn Steve. Retired Wardam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon?
4: Well, it's fun
6: Friday, guys. Definitely, T. Ryan and Brent and Cam. Yes, sir. Um,
1: hey, how you doing?
6: I, I'm doing fine. It's uh, fun Friday, so let's see if we can make it fun. Now, I heard your comments about... The, uh, the Jalen Williams being put uh, as uh, player of the week. Hey, I'm fine with that. However, I need to add. You know what? I, I'm just continue to be just uh, impressed. That's my word. Mesmerized at how Jannay Broom the moves that he makes underneath the basket when he's got somebody right on. Him. I mean, he, I mean, almost like you know, breathing on him, and he'll make these moves and counter moves and make a basket. Uh, that's what I'm impressed by. Uh, general broom and what
1: he does yeah i mean look he tries to get to that left hand he's he he able to quick spin move uh yeah got an array of post moves the, the beautiful thing about him is despite his size he's usually able to make a, an a, a relatively agile or at least a quicker reaction move uh to fool his defender and still get to that left hand even if they're overplaying him that way
6: and then quite often he'll maybe he'll miss the basket because he's right under it and he'll get his own rebound
1: Yep, I mean he uh, he works hard down there at the glass. Yep.
6: All right, moving on about the uh, game tomorrow, guys. <clears throat> what would you make the line, and who would you favor?
1: Uh, I would uh, I would say, I would probably lean Auburn, but by a very minuscule margin. I'd probably Auburn favored by two, two and a half, something like that.
6: Okay, you really need to consider being an odds maker.
1: Uh, what what is it
6: well ESP I just saw thought uh, they have Auburn minus one and a half
1: okay one and a half okay yeah I had not seen that actually but I, I just figured that uh, Auburn is the better team you're trying to balance the road aspect of it and given that Florida is a very competent team they're Probably going to go to the tournament. How Auburn played on the road the last time they played against one of those types of teams was very good against Ole Miss, but you always got to be mindful of the road games.
6: Well, talk to me. let talk about incentive, guys, for this game. Uh, from what you've said, it seems like to me the, I guess, heightened incentive the motivation would be for Florida because they need to be able to, to, to have a quality quad one win to stay in the bubble conversation versus, uh, I guess, our team maybe doesn't have that much incentive. Uh, to Tell me where I'm wrong.
1: Well, so Auburn has the incentive of fighting for an SEC title, and any loss for that is going to be uh, pretty darn impactful, especially uh, when it's games against teams you know you're better than. I mean, well, also just especially – uh, when you've got this much competition. I mean, you got Alabama, South Carolina, and Tennessee all with two losses. So Auburn and Florida might have a little different level of goals right now, uh, but certainly Auburn, the last thing they want to do is have this really triumphant win that puts them squarely in the race for the SEC regular season championship and then immediately get right back behind the eight ball losing at Florida. So there's clear motivation there. And, and look, as you said with Florida, the motivation to make sure that they make the NCAA tournament is obviously – uh, a very big deal too. I know that they uh, have continued to be uh, kind of around that bubble this year. Uh, I was trying to look at Lenardi's latest form and, and they, they are an 11 seed right now. So again, they are just uh, just ahead of the last four in. So uh, a win would do wonders. A loss since it's at home would, would be a little impactful for them. Uh, certainly would still be on the bubble. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think Florida from that perspective is more to gain because Auburn's so solidly in a good position for the tournament. But if Auburn wants to win the SEC regular season title, they, they need to still get these types of games.
6: Okay, staying with uh, the game, coaches. Both know each other, Golden, obviously, and Pearl. Yeah. Um, who do you think has the more advantage?
1: So we just know Bruce, Curl, uh, Bruce Pearl to be a really good – basketball coach overall like if someone's picking who's a better basketball coach it's going to be bruce pearl at this point sometimes the understudy could in theory have an advantage because you say oh i know everything that uh, my teacher does however he does not know my twist on what he does and that sort of thing you can make that argument Uh, at the end of the day um, i still think that that bruce is going to have a good idea of what todd golden's going to want to do so I'm not sure if there's going to be any coaching advantages or disadvantages. I know that Florida's style is probably more pronounced than Auburn's. Florida will go at an even faster pace than Auburn really ever has with Bruce and that sort of thing. So uh, I don't think that they're carbon copies or anything. But, uh, yeah, I mean, again, so you can make the argument for either way. I think time will tell based off their matchups together.
6: Uh, you guys mentioned uh, earlier you had discussion about um, who I see the breakout or – I guess you know to have a uh, a real you know I guess breakout game, and uh, one gentleman uh, mentioned uh, was it Denver Jones.
1: Yeah, Cam did. Cam said uh, Denver Cam Jones. Did?
6: Yeah. Okay. So, what about this, guys? If anyone needs a breakout game, this would be the best time to do it. And I'm thinking about Aiden Holloway. Yeah. So. I think He that, hasn't done it. He hasn't, right. he hasn't met expectations.
1: Right. And, and look, I will say this about point guard play on the road, is is that is very important. Um, I think that at this point we're starting to transition into the territory of Trey Donaldson is capable with 25, 26 minutes a game of, of giving you what you need. Highly. Yes. Uh, now, against, you know, when they play Tennessee, when they play Kentucky, and those teams can just give you 95 points, and to be fair, Florida can too. Uh, when those teams, when you're just needing every single bit of it, then then Holloway will be very important to try to figure out his, his space in that game. Uh, but, I mean, let's let's do look at this. If Trey Donaldson can play a really quality game, again, we're talking about getting all five of these position groups, trying to get them to about 15, 18 points per, per position group. And Trey Donaldson had 14 against Alabama. Now, maybe that's the high end again. That's the second highest performance of the year. So maybe 9 to 10 points is more fair. If you just get Holloway to hit a couple, again, you, you don't need him to get 15. If, you just, if he'll just shoot a 2 of 5 from 3 and 3 of 6 from the floor, that combined with what Donaldson is starting to give you as a starter should be enough. So while I want to see Aiden improve two, I think what's most likely for him this year is that he's probably not going to have the light turn all the way on this year. It's just It just looks like he, uh, from a shot selection standpoint, I know Bruce Pearl defended it today, uh, but from a shot selection standpoint, from being able to figure out how to finish down low amongst bigger guys and find a, his spot inside the three-point line, I'm not sure he's going to quite figure it out this year. But – I think the good news is, is that Donaldson has come far enough along to where he is going to be pretty reliable on a night-to-night basis.
6: So, at a percentage level, guys, all through you, consensus or not, uh, what percentage level of confidence do you uh, give us uh, to finally break out of that long, dry spell of not beating them?
3: I'm at 75% to 80%. Whoa, okay.
6: Wow.
2: That's. A- I'm a little less confident. I still think Auburn could win. I think Auburn should win. But, again, I mean, we've touched on it a million times, all the reasons that it's tough to win on the road. I'm closer to 60, I'd say. I still think Auburn will win, but not not quite as confident as Cam is. And if Auburn does lose this game, then I'm not going to sit here and say that the sky is falling. I still think Auburn's a very good team, even if they do lose tomorrow. I thought about
1: being a smart aleck and giving you like a – like a rounded percentage of like fifty one point <laughs> two or something <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So, you going uh, to do that now? <laughs> a fifty five percent. I I as I said with if with a line like two points. I know you said it's one and a half. I was projecting two or so. That that means in my head it's going to be a very close game. And uh, again, I, is Auburn better than Ford? One hundred percent, no doubt about that. I don't have any lack of confidence in that, but. Uh, We know this sport, and we know that one of these – Auburn is not done losing on the road this year. They will lose another road game to Tennessee, and they will probably lose one other that we just don't expect. And Florida and Georgia are the prime candidates for that.
6: Well, since you said that, because I was going to come up that, I said if we come out of this with a win tomorrow, then I'm saying we probably should go – we'll go 7-1.
1: Again, that would definitely be in play. Uh, I still, for whatever reason, maybe I just misevaluated the heck out of them. I don't know. I still think Kentucky, even though it's at Neville, that offense is capable. Again, I don't know what's with the SEC this year. There's offense all over the place. I still think Kentucky's the type of team that hits 15 threes and and give you uh, a really rough time trying to stop them. Now, They've got their issues. I'm not saying Kentucky's yeah. going to win. I'm just saying I would not book it yet. I wouldn't take it to the bank yet. I think Auburn will be favored. I'm, again, I don't, I'm don't. i not trying to sound no, you know, no. several alarms. I'm just saying I would not write that off. But otherwise, yes, if they win at Florida, then Tennessee's the game I circles. They're still probably going to lose. And then to me, I think Florida's a little better than Georgia. I, I think they're same ballpark. But I think Florida's a little better than Georgia. Can you completely discount it? it's a bit of a rivalry because it's a road game no but uh, again this, let me put it this way this is one of, you got eight games left this is one of the top three or four most likely to lose so if you if you win it you've taken one of your you're more likely to lose games off the board and, and that would be a very positive thing
6: that's fair okay fair enough all right and then guys real quick i've been looking at the latest bracketology uh from uh nathan king yeah yeah and um uh, I guess they took. Believe ESPN has us, uh, I think a uh, fourth. No, CBS has us tied for fifth, uh, and then uh, ESPN I think uh, has us a three. But then I see that, a uh, well. How is this possible? What kind of logic? Uh, South Carolina has a four seed, although we are a five seed, and I, I I'm trying to figure out. And you get Kent Palm has us as ranked number four. How do you how do you make sense of South Carolina? being projected as a four seed.
3: Well, I mean that's that's really opinion based stuff in terms of just looking at resume so I'm sure
6: they'll change, but right now how do they figure South Carolina the the higher seed than Auburn?
3: Well South Carolina's got a better record. They're first in the SEC as of right now and they uh the they, well yes but technically they are first. They have a better record. And and they also they I mean they have a little bit of better wins than Auburn in my opinion I mean they went into Tennessee and beat Tennessee uh, so yeah, they, they got Tennessee they, yeah, and they, Kentucky yeah, and, on their belt yeah yeah right so now. so they've got better wins right now they 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 have earned the respect of that of that seating
1: yeah look again that that's opinion based uh, for sure as Cam said um, we're kind of slow getting around to respecting South Carolina uh, but they are twenty and three. Uh, they don't have much at all in the non-conference, but again, I, I, as we went over the other day, unfortunately, Auburn really doesn't in hindsight either because yeah. of the way those teams played. Yep. So yeah, I, I think it's more splitting hairs than maybe we give it credit for. But uh, I, you know, I, I still I would lean towards Auburn being just a smidge better. Uh, I would
3: as well. But, by the but, way, but, yeah. I would as well. But just based off. Pure resume right now. Right. Comparison. You can, you can at least I, make I would, the argument. Yeah, I would give the slighter edge to South Carolina as mm-hmm. of right now. I do still think that Auburn is the better team, and I think that they'll. Ha- I think that game against South Carolina on Wednesday will be very, very good. But uh, I, I, I do think that as of right now, they just have the slight edge, and they've they've gained some momentum and some respect in the last couple weeks.
6: Okay, guys, I know time is running short. You were talking about props. Yeah. Well, let me share with you the five props that the Sharpies, according to uh, Vegas Insider, are taking and they're betting on. All right. Here we go. The Sharpies are the people, I guess, who have more money than uh, I could uh, get to, to actually uh, figure out. All right. Total yardage of all touchdowns is one of the props.
1: Okay. Interesting.
6: What do you, what do you think about that one?
1: Total yardage of all the touchdowns. Oh, gosh. Right. First, got to think about how many touchdowns, then then you average out. So, say, you got – uh math seven total touchdowns and then they average say eight yards that'd be 56 yards uh so i don't know 60 yards something like that i don't know
6: okay all right well but then you see the you could have a
1: 70 yard play okay, so well,
6: here's the opening line total yardage is 74 and a half okay well, you bet it under or over?
1: <sighs> this is going to be this is just a preview for a few minutes from now uh under. We do have to move a little quicker on these Steve. I'll okay. say under. I'll say under All
6: right. Next one. Longest rush by who? Patrick Mahomes.
1: Like eleven and a half, nine and a half, ten and a half. What I don't I don't know what the Okay,
6: the total opened at thirteen and a half.
1: Thirteen and a half, so I was Hold gonna on. go a little under, but Okay.
6: Yeah. Next total receiving yards by George Kittle.
1: I, that might be one of the ones on here, actually, that we have. I don't. I have to double check. Yeah, I, I think that. it is. Yeah.
6: Is it the over/under is fifty one and a half?
1: Fifty one and a half. I would take. I'm going to take uh, over on that one. I don't know. Over. All
6: right. Now here's here's one. You'll love this one. The first pass by Brock Purdy is it complete or incomplete? Yeah. <laughs> Chance.
1: Can I be dumb? He's going to be about sixty or sixty-five percent, so more than likely it's a completion, right? So over fifty percent.
6: Well, the, uh, the sharpie on here said take the complete because they're probably yeah. going to give him a very short yardage pass yeah. to, to begin the, the game with, so it'll be. I a doubt great they. One for yeah,
1: him. I doubt they chuck down the field. So yeah, I'd go. I'd go complete.
6: And finally, the longest punt by Mitch Wisnowski. is that yep. his name? Yep. Yep. Okay. So here's the line, fifty-five and a half yards. Uh
1: basically what you're betting on is, do they punt a full field and maybe they get a roll? I go over. You go like a sixty-yard punt. Over. Yeah.
6: Okay. So
1: you're just bet. That's it, guys. There you're just basically betting that they don't have to keep punting on short fields after they've gotten two or three first downs.
6: Of course, you can go ahead and bet the uh, crazy ones like how long will the national anthem uh, be be sung?
1: That is one that is on our our list
6: okay yes and who has seen it, is it reba McIntyre? yes
1: it is and i have okay. some data on this that i can't wait to share oh, do you yeah oh, okay. i'll look this up you know, yep. some of
6: these people drag it out you know
1: yep sure and, do you know,
6: they'll they'll uh you know improvise and uh so you can't always you know um, figure what they're really gonna do to it yeah all right so guys that is it oh by the way you know the reason it's called the super bowl right
1: uh yeah the uh the commissioner uh and uh, the media ends up Basically, kind of calling it that. Yeah.
6: Well, actually, the journalist, but it was called Super Bowl because Lamar Hunt, uh, his son, uh, was playing at that time, and I remember, with a toy called a Super Bowl. Uh huh. And it bounced crazy ways. And when he first proposed uh, that name to uh, Roselle, he said, no, it's not sophisticated enough. It's too corny. And then the other AFL members uh, agreed, yeah, it's too cheesy. You know, it's not it's just. It's, it, anyway, some apparently some journalists started. Uh, about and they they the Super Bowl. So it was actually called the Super Bowl in the Jets the Baltimore Colts game. There you go. So if you didn't know it, then now you do, guys. So it's time for me to get out of here and have a safe uh, afternoon, enjoyable weekend, and uh, I'm pulling for uh, Mr. Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, hopefully uh, my uh, boys will come out tomorrow with a more than two-point win or I'll be on some heavy meds. All right. I got to talk to you uh, Monday, right? Uh, yes, sir. Okay, wonderful right, guys.
1: We're going to Appreciate that phone call. That is retired MC joining us on the orthopedic Clint phone line. We have about six or so minutes left in the hour, so we will go ahead and start the Super Bowl breakdown. We're not going to get into the props just yet. We'll save those for the five o'clock hour. Uh, but let's just without the props, just break this thing down for just a minute. So 49ers look. Kind of dead to the world for a half against Detroit, they end up with a huge second half. Obviously, a mix of everything. Detroit decisions, f- fumbles. I mean, turn incredible plays by San Francisco. Everything. Kansas City uh, really continued to do it a lot with defense. They had some Mahomes moments, but in large part kept the score down in a lot of these games. Kelsey looked rejuvenated. So. We have a team that we really expected because it's the 1C in the NFC versus a team that before the year we would have expected, maybe got lost along the way, but then all reliable back for now uh, already, what, their fourth Super Bowl appearance here in, yep. in a six-year span. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, what are the matchups to, to watch out for? What do you think?
2: Oh, man, I, I look at these two teams and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, it's obvious to point out, man, you've got Patrick Mahomes, all the weapons that the 49ers have. But the thing that stands out to me in this game is you've got two really, really impressive defenses. I think both of these defenses are among the top in the NFL. Uh, I don't have the stats in front of me, but if you told me they were any outside of the top five in most statistical categories, I would find it hard to believe. Um, I think that they have incredible players on either side, so I I think this is going to be one of the lower-scoring Super Bowls, perhaps, especially with the issues that both offenses have had at times. I think that both of these offenses are susceptible to disappearing at times, and it may lead to something of a boring-ish Super Bowl, uh, but as long as it's close, I really don't care. I'm I'm not somebody who has to pick – someone to root for in in every super bowl i hope it i'm uh, you do also you do do. we've Uh, ryan you and i have watched the super bowl before and neither of our teams were playing in it and you got very into it it, i I, I can't help i I really love that about you honestly i'm
3: the same way honestly i can't help but root for somebody i gotta i gotta gotta have a vested interest or i'm just i'm just not gonna
2: i just want moments that make my mouth hang open and like surrender cobra (laughs) like oh my god what just happened that's that's my favorite thing in sports but i Looking at this, if, are we making predictions on winners right now? Or no, we'll we? save that for okay, the end, we'll save that. We'll save that for later. But I, I think that this is going to be a very defense-heavy game uh, with you know, just playmakers making plays, and that ends up that ending up being the difference.
3: Yeah, I agree with you, Brandon. This is definitely going to be a, a defensive game. I feel like I, I, I still think. Gosh, with. With Patrick Mahomes, he's just a wizard. So, you know, he's gonna figure out some way to score points. And yeah, literally, like just like yep, just like that, just like oh yeah, all that. <laughs> you guys should, you, you guys can't see what what they're doing, but they're definitely making some Patrick Mahomes esque moves over here. Um, and and I, I and I and I also I do believe in the offense that Kyle Shanahan runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do think that I so I I do believe that it could be. I think it could go either way. Honestly, really and truly, I think it could go either way in terms of... Both offenses are pretty good. Not maybe not the Chiefs as good, but Patrick Mahomes again. Like I said, he's a wizard. And then Chow Shanahan runs such an efficient and good offense, and they have so much, so many weapons on that side of the ball, right? Brandon Ayuk, they got uh, Debo Samuel, they got they got Christian McCaffrey, right? And they still have George Kittle, so they have a lot of talent on that side of the ball. Uh, and then uh, I think they're going to be able to figure out a way to put up points. Um, but the Chiefs did have a really surprisingly good defense this year that i think a lot of people weren't expecting them to kind of pull that out uh and they had one of the lower allowed points per game all season they were in a lot of relatively low scoring games throughout the season and so uh they're going to be able to fight and then obviously the the 49ers defense is as amazing as it has been the last what three seasons so it's that they've always been good on that side of the ball so I think that I really think also it's going to come down to that tight end matchup. I truly do. I think. We're gonna see because I think both tight ends are gonna get fed pretty well. I think uh, George Kittle is a pretty good X factor, and then obviously Travis Kelsey uh, has been going crazy in the playoffs, so he's gonna he's gonna continue to do what he does, and every time he scores or every time he makes a catch, Taylor Swift will be flashed on for about five seconds. So, you know, they're they're gonna they're gonna feed Travis. It's just gonna happen, I think. Uh, so yeah, it'll be. I think the uh, the tight ends that's gonna be a, a surely interesting matchup.
1: Yeah. So. Look, I, I look at this thing in two ways. From San Francisco's point of view, the argument to me is they had a great chance at Kansas City back in nineteen, but yes. they have slightly better weapons now. And because we get we get focused on the quarterback, right, and Purdy being a little bit better than Garoppolo, but they, instead of look, and these guys were good. Okay, it's not I'm not revising saying they were, they were weak, right. yeah. but they had then. Raheem Mosert, uh, and they had, I believe, Elijah Mitchell yes. back then. Yes. Now they got Christian McCaffrey, <laughs> so you'd prefer That's McCaffrey to those two. They had Kittle, which is probably a better ver. That Kittle's probably a better version of this Kittle. This Kittle's a little bit more oh, banged up yeah. and slowing down already a little I bit. Uh, and they had a very young Debo Samuel, but they had kind of the waning moments uh, of a couple of other wide receivers like Emmanuel Sanders in 2019 Very as their true. number two or three yeah. receiver instead of Brandon Ayouf. Who's a so, monster. So I feel that they are even a little bit stronger around Purdy with the weapons than um, than they were in 19. Yeah. And, of course, with Purdy, I think at minimum, no matter where we're putting him in the hierarchy of the league, better than Garoppolo. Uh, so... Ah, yes. <laughs> so no matter what, better than Garoppolo. I do agree. Uh, so... There is that. Now, here's the problem why I keep going back to Kansas City. I won't give a score yet. We'll do it at the very end. But we talk about Kansas City's offense like it's a weakness. The quarterback is still Patrick Mahomes, and there's nothing yeah. at all wrong with him. <laughs> yeah, And that should concern me as an opponent. And that is why they have continued to win, in my estimation, in some of these games because – their defense now is awesome. Yes. And it is capable of winning them a game. Absolutely. But if they need a moment or a drive, it's still Patrick Mahomes. Yep. And so when they needed a third and long against Baltimore to wrap it up, Mahomes dot to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Yep. Ball game over. You know, they set a tone in that game with, with Mahomes. And then, yeah, they lulled for two quarters. It wasn't great. That's when Baltimore's defense got in rhythm, and, and Kansas City showed why it's not been the same offense this year. But – Every time you need something, Mahomes usually delivers it. And so you're not going to have a situation, because Kansas City's defense is really good, where San Francisco just puts 38 on the board to where Kansas City just cannot catch up. And so in a close game, if Mahomes gets the ball – Who's betting against Mahomes? No matter if Kadarius Toney's out there or not, (laughs) are you going to really think that Mahomes is not going to get it done? So that's what I keep going back to is, yes, I do think San Francisco's weapons are better. Yes, I think that San Francisco does have a defense that can, can bother Kansas City at least a little bit. But, man, it gets really hard to say the strength of Kansas City is not even offense or Patrick Mahomes. It's their defense. That is why they have gotten to this point. That's why it's going to be an incredible challenge for the San Francisco 49ers. We are out of time for hour number two. Coming up in hour number three, we're going to go through our Super Bowl prop bet. Steepy Hammock will join us for that, so we'll have a full room here. And uh, we'll go through as many of these as we can. we got 25 of these bad boys on here. We'll go through as many as we can in the 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned. Everything about Super Bowl 58 coming up next. third and final hour of sports call starting right now tiger 95.9 the tiger.fm and the tiger communications app ryan lavoie Brant Dontry, cam berry with you here and now tp hammock joins us on the show who's been bored up and help us helping us with the phone lines for the last two hours and uh, it's time to get going with all of these super bowl prop bets now the majority of them that we have are football related there's a few of the traditional ones that uh, are not necessarily involved with the game. But so this is still mostly football. We will start with one that is not football, however. Let's go ahead and jump into it here uh, with the length of the national anthem. Do you want my research before or after? You want to go ahead and have you. I haven't done I, research on all of these. This is just like <laughs> the one I've done research on.
2: I, I haven't done any research, but this in my head, Reba feels like. Someone who is going to perform sure. the national yeah. See, anthem. I think so too. Over under,
1: and this is going to be the over under here we've got is 87.5. I know that there are some other uh, sites and sources that are going to have different over unders, different I sports 90. books. Yeah, different yeah. sports books are going to have different things here. Uh, but uh, this one we've got is 87.5. So I, so I said over.
7: I also over. think over. I think that is an easy over right there.
1: I also think over. Uh, no controversy here. Here's what I've got for you. Did you know that Reba McIntyre has already performed a a Super Bowl national has anthem? she? Okay. okay. In 1999, in hmm. she did the national anthem in 90 seconds. So that's okay. probably why you've seen a oh. 90 and a half somewhere. because okay. She did 90, 90 seconds in 1999. Uh, the average length of <laughs> the national anthem since 2000 has been 115.4 seconds, uh, dang, which is nearly two minutes. And uh, I'm going over two. I don't think Reba, 25 years later, is going <laughs> to w- suddenly go speed quicker. run this thing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I would go over. And for what it's worth of it was nine and a half. If you're out there seeing that one, I'd go over two. All right, let's do one more. Let's. This is a TP specialty. I. I yeah, yeah. This is for the degenerates. I, that's all I can. <laughs> How do. dare you? The,
2: the, this, if you're if you're if you're betting on this, call the hotline.
3: The
7: coin toss
2: result. <laughs> oh my you got, God!
7: You yeah. you got this two is bet on by spoilers. a lot of people. Oh yeah, I know. Including yours truly, right <laughs> here. You know
2: what's Gosh. you know what's really funny about this is I uh, the odds books that I have seen this don't have this as a 50-50 odd split. Like I think oh. tails is uh, tails is like a one, a minus one ten favorite. That's Which I don't, I don't get at all, but <laughs> go for it. Rigged. Well, Rigged. You, know, you know,
7: Tails has been beefing up their defense and all that. <laughs> no, I, you know, there's an old saying I learned in grade school. Tails never fails, all right? right. I'm True. going with Tails on this one. Last yeah. year I bet on Tails, and I believe it was Tails, and I, I won me a dinner. So there you nice. go. So you know what? I'm going for back-to-back years. I'm going for, like, the Chiefs, I'm going for back-to-back victories yeah. on the corner. I'm also
3: going Tails as well. I, I'm a, I'm a believer in Tails never fails either.
2: I, well. I just prefer Tails, so we're going I'll, Tails. I'll go
1: Heads, fine. All right, yeah. Since everyone's <laughs> allergic like, to Heads There's no here. logic to this. It's <laughs> right, a 50-50 right,
2: split. Just right. whatever you feel, man.
1: So uh, for the sake of being different, there you go, Heads. All right, so we're going to skip through some of these, and we'll come back to some because the next one on our sheet is game winner. I don't want to do that before we do some of these other fun things, so we'll skip around a little bit. The game total, the over-under is 47.5. Of course, I think the spread has been San Francisco, I think has been about a a point-and-a-half favorite. I'll double-check again uh, what it is right now. Yeah, they're point-and-a-half right now. So with an over-under of 47.5, again, you could see some different numbers in different (coughs) places. It is forty seven and a half though, on what ESPN's got. So that would be what twenty four twenty three ish, twenty five
2: twenty three. Over under forty seven and a half. I I'm saying under on this, and I I touched on it a minute ago. I think that the defenses in this game are spectacular, but this is a this is very much a bet that I would not be comfortable making because I think that. We touched on a little bit. I feel like the identity of both of these teams are the defenses, but also Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback of the Chiefs, and he makes things happen by himself. I also think Isaiah Pacheco is a really good running back. Travis Kelsey has had has looked closer to uh, how he did in his age 30 season uh, a couple of years ago over this playoff run. Uh, and then you look at the 49ers. Christian McCaffrey, maybe the best player in the NFL. Uh, they've got weapons all over the field, so very much – could have some big explosive plays, even though I do expect this to be a defensive matchup. It could very easily turn into a shootout just because everybody on those offenses is so good.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and lean to the over on this one. Uh, and, and I, I don't think it'll be like they'll blow the over and go crazy. I think it'll be like closer to maybe like 50, 50 24. Yeah, I mean, yeah, something like that. Mm. Yeah, somewhere around the lines of that is where I would lean to being. So I think it. I think it'll go over. I'm
7: gonna go with the under. I'm gonna to have to disagree with you, Cam. I think it's gonna be a 21 to 17 game, maybe a 20 to 13 game. I think it's gonna be really, really yeah. defensive, and I think it's gonna bore the you know what out of some casual fans. But, but you know, <laughs> I think, I think for some, they people, don't know real football. They don't I know think real for ball. Uh, you know some <laughs> hard hitting defensive football, I think that's uh, right up your alley. And I'm gonna go with the under here, Ryan. Well, remember we had a Super Bowl not too long ago. Uh, Patriots-Rams, it
1: was, what, 13-3? Yeah. Uh, So Mm -hmm. even in this game, I mean, look, you you can have all kinds of things. This is the big game. Uh, What's striking about it is that if I just told you, like, Patrick Mahomes has got one of the teams, and then the other team has Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle and and so on and so forth, you would lean towards an over. You would lean towards a higher-scoring game, but – as we've said in the previous segment, Kansas City's built themselves this year on defense and having one of the two or three best defenses in the league. And then San Francisco also has just many big names on defense. They had, are not statistically as dominant at times, but uh, you know they, they certainly have the acumen there and, and shut down Detroit in the second half. I will lean under. Uh, I think that unders are usually better bets, although we don't want to admit them because we always want to see the over. Uh, but I'm thinking a 24 to 17 type of game. Uh, if people find that boring, come on, like set, <laughs> seven to three is boring. Like that's fine to oh say. 24 17 is just a yeah. well played football oh, game yeah. as long as there's not three turnovers aside. So um, I, I think it'll be something in the low 40s there. So I'll, I'll go under. All right, next up. Now we're gonna get into some trivially small ones. This, these are hard. These are just like let's see how creative we can be. First offensive play of the game, so basically a runner pass.
2: Uh, you know, in my head, I don't care who gets the ball first. I'm thinking play action. I nice. I think that I think that both of these coaches, both of these offensive play callers, want to be aggressive, and they also know that their running game is a threat. And so I, I immediately in my head, I'm saying, okay, if I was coaching in this game, my first my first play would probably be a play action pass from under center, whatever that looks like to to. To whichever one of these coaches that so i'm saying pass uh based on that logic
3: i'm going to lean run because because both of these teams are have good run games and so they're going to say well why wouldn't we run the ball on the first down and then they're going to run the ball so i think it'll be a run
7: i'm gonna have to agree with cam on this one i have watched a lot of chiefs games i've watched a lot of 49er games I couldn't tell you the amount of times where I've seen the first run. play of a drive from both of those be a run with Isaiah Pacheco for the Chiefs and a run for Christian McCaffrey. So while I do see the logic with Brantz, I'm going to have to lean with a run here, Ryan. Do we know exactly how healthy Debo Samuel is? And I promise there's method to this in a moment. Uh, he pretty he,
1: close to hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah. it I should be. I mean, fine. he played, oh, he God. played most
2: of the game yeah. last or two weeks Cause, ago. Like I
1: know he's going to play That's not yeah. just, right. but just like, do we feel pretty good about him yeah. getting off the injury report? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So, as a neutral and just having fun, just spitballing right here, I really want San Francisco to direct snap the (laughs) (laughs) D-bone. So that would be a run. I'm a fan. But I really want them to say we're going to do what you think in a way, but we're just going to go ahead and give the absolute best players we have the ball as early and often as possible. Um, I'll go run for the sake of being, you know, let's not get too excitable if you're uh, San Francisco, let's not try to prove a point and throw a, a dumb pick or take a sack. And for Kansas City, there's going to be plenty of time for Mahomes to run around magically. Let's <laughs> let's try and establish a little bit of a run game first. So I'll go run on that one. Will there be a score in the first six minutes and 59 seconds? Uh, maybe that, this time would vary would, depending on where you look, but yeah, 659.
2: That would require either a team to... Score on its first drive, or a team to the first team to get the ball, have a very quick three and out, and then another pretty quick score by the other team. Or, you know, turnovers can happen, whatever. I think, yes. I think that both of these offensive coaches, I, well, they're both head coaches, aren't they? I think that both of these head coaches are good enough offensively to scheme an opening drive. I think the opening drive is probably one of the hardest to stop in a football game because. It is scripted. You know exactly what you're going to do. You know what type of defense you're normally going to face. Defenses don't like to throw just wild stuff at an offense on the very first drive of the game. Um, so I, I think that yes, I think that one of these two teams will score on their first drive.
3: I agree. I, I think I think it will. They will score on the first drive, and I think it will be within that first uh, within that first seven minutes, underneath seven minutes. So uh, I'm, I'm going to agree with Brent here.
7: I'm going to have to agree with you all as well. I, I think um, I think both of these coaches do a really good job of scripting out their first couple of drives, and uh, I, think, I don't think it really matters about who gets the ball first. I, I think whoever does get it, I think it matters. I don't think it is a competitive advantage because they're both so good as offensive coaches. So I think um, I'm going to go with yes on this one as well. Look, we
1: saw an important trend broken in the San Francisco-Detroit game. The sentiment for myself and for many is that you – get san francisco behind they're not going to come back on you true uh they were able to do that now again it took both sides to help you out there but nevertheless that was a two and three score game that they were able uh, to come back from uh in that one so i think maybe the emphasis on a quick start could be a little bit overblown nevertheless kansas city did against baltimore come up with really all their offensive productivity in the first 20-25 minutes of that game it was a lot of neutral outcomes for them for the the next two quarters so i think that kansas city will score in their first possession so for the sake of that i will say yes there will be a score in the first seven minutes if san francisco gets the ball first i'm not convinced that they'd score i think that uh, they're gonna have to kind of work into it and start confusing kansas city a little bit to be able to 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 move the ball and casey's defense being so good i just see kansas city starting better in this game uh, but i will think that kansas city will score first and I'll say they'll get the ball first. So we'll go uh, under the first 659 of that one. Uh, team to score first, I'll go ahead and say I think Kansas City will score first, kind of based off with of the logic I just had, that I think they will score the first time they get the ball. I'm not necessarily committed to that for San Francisco. So first team to score first.
3: For you guys, I will also go Chiefs. Yeah, I'll go Chiefs here as well.
2: Yeah, I, I th- that makes sense to me. I'm trying to look for it on my own little – sheet here that we filled out uh i can't find it but I, the logic is sound i think that chiefs is a reasonable pick there
7: i'm gonna have to agree with you all as well i think uh i think the chiefs just do such a good job on those opening drives and getting that getting that early lead and you can start to let your defense really you know put pressure on the, the opposing team so i'm gonna go with the chiefs there as well all right let's do a couple oddball ones before we go to our first timeout this five o'clock hour
1: um, this, this one is just uh, – you can think through it a little bit. Br- Brant and I were doing this a little bit earlier. The jersey number
2: of the first touchdown score, is it <laughs> even or odd? Um, so, it, Ryan, you, like you said, you and I yep. were talking about this earlier. You look at it, for whatever reason, I can't get it out of my head that the first touchdown score is going to be Isaiah Pacheco. And for that reason, (laughs) I said even. But when you look at the rosters of these teams, Christian McCaffrey is odd. Brandon Ayuk is odd at 11. Uh, Kittle's odd. Kittle is odd. Debo Samuel is odd at 19. Um, And then you look at Kansas City. Travis Kelsey is odd. Uh, Marcos Valdez-Scantling is 11. Yep. it, there's a lot of odd numbers, but for whatever reason, that ten is <laughs> just blazing percent, yes. like the eye of Sauron in my brain. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I I'm forced to stick with even, but statistically, it probably will be odd.
3: Yeah, I was gonna lean odd here just because I was thinking through all of the marquee players. I mean, even if right, Brock Purdy's number is what thirteen, right? And Mahomes mm-hmm. is fifteen. So yep. even if either of them is to run it run it in, right? That's a that's an, an odd number. So I'm like, everybody except for Isaiah Pacheco is yes. an odd number. So yes. I'm gonna lean odd odd here just based off of that yeah i you know
7: i'm i was leaning odd as well and i i kind of envisioned it in my head i'm a home scramble for a touchdown around the goal line because i see it happen about once every single week on red zone where he does this weird little like shuffle move and he like finds an open hole and just runs right through so I'm, i'm gonna have to go with odd here and you know, I was even thinking too something weird like if Noah Gray, their number yeah, two I was just scorer. thinking
2: of him. I, I was also <laughs> thinking of Noah Gray, who is 83, uh-huh. which is an odd number.
1: The the only other even one there would be Watson, who does make a random player too. and they've had? Oh, let me Rushey say this. Rasheed Rice, Rasheed Rice, yeah, Rice yeah. say. The, uh, As four. far as He's random guys that okay. could end up having a surprising good game, Watson would be another one. Even but their main threat, other than Pacheco, would be Rasheed Rice. I, I will go odd just because of the safety in numbers because there are more probabilities there obviously with Pacheco you would have it now if they did something weird like Edward elayir I think he's odd yeah so uh they it's 25 some, yeah, I believe yeah. sometimes they they put him down there in certain situations although uh, that probably shouldn't be doing that honestly. <laughs> uh so I'll go odd just because of the sheer number of it but if you have the starting running back even that's a that's a, that's a tough one to pass up. Last one we'll do before our first break. Uh, first accepted penalty will be against two. Ooh, it'll there's be, no right. No, who knows? It'll man. be against
2: Kansas City. It'll I think against, I think it'll be a hold against Kansas City. If I had to, if I had that's to take Donovan
3: Smith, I was going to do go. that. A holding, a holding say, against or, Kansas City, or a false
2: start. Yeah. Yeah, their, their offensive line has had a lot of issues this year. Yes. Their left tackle, who's really good, uh, but his name escapes yeah, me at the moment. It's slipping my
3: mind too. But he uh, had er- issues early
2: in the yeah. season. With, he's with he's been. I Trey think Smith? No, no, he's a no. guard. He's a guard. He. I think he leads the NFL in holding. <sighs> oh, it's Jawan. Yes. Mm, Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, I think, on. think, yeah, I think right. you're right. I think you're right. But um, it, anyway, I think he leads the NFL in holding. Uh, he's been called for. A ton of false starts this year. Yeah, DeJuan Taylor. And I I think that especially if the Chiefs get the ball first and you put him on either Nick Bosa or Chase Young, it's going to be a rough day.
7: Boom. Yeah, um, you know, I hear all your logic. But I just want to be different. I'm gonna go with a, <laughs> I'm gonna go with the 49ers defensive hold. I'll go with a third and seven on the 49ers side of the ball. We'll go on the 34, okay? Uh-huh. And, uh And you know, do a little shimmy route, and it's a defensive hold. Uh, I'll I'll do it. It would be on uh, Kadarius Ward since he said you know he was a former chief uh-huh. as well. So I'm gonna go with the 49ers here.
1: All sides. Offense number 19. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that one, you're so oh. dirty. Low blow. Low blow. <laughs> you're dirty for that one. Uh, I, I, y'all were very passionately
2: in Kansas City's camp there. I did not I, know I that. I, 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 I didn't think about it until Cam was like vehemently, Kansas City's why? And I thought like, so what did Kansas City do wrong? And then Jawan Taylor immediately yep. popped into my head when he said that. Yep.
1: I, I'm convinced uh, there will be a roughing the passer call on San Francisco at some point. It oh, probably yeah. is not the first thing that happens in the game. So y'all have convinced me. Kansas City, some sort of offensive Ooh. line penalty. Uh, sorry, TP. Uh, and look, maybe, maybe San Francisco gets the ball first and they hold. I don't know. But I will also say this. I better not watch eight holds called on each team either. <laughs> yeah, that's not also what we're looking for. It's some of the things I talked about with the Auburn Alabama game yesterday. Is let let's let's let yeah. them play and let's not showcase our free throw shooting. Well, in this one, it's like okay, if both teams are over a hundred yards and penalties, okay, be fair above all else, but also. Uh, does Let anyone want to have to analyze 20 penalties? the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, again, we, let's let's try and keep it together. But, all right, we'll, we'll, uh, three out of 4 we'll go Kansas City there. TP will go with the Niners. Let's take our first time out here in the 5 o'clock hour. Still plenty more prop bets for you. We'll start to get some yardage totals with some of these individuals and teams. Uh, and we've got one or two other non Uh, actual football-related ones at the end as well. Stay tuned. A lot more Super Bowl prop bets coming up after this timeout.
0: Want to call into the show, send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail sports call at the tiger.fm. Let's get back to sports call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334 887 3401 or toll free at 1 888 9 Tiger 9.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call on this Friday. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Brant Dontre, and T.P. Hammock with you here on, again, this Friday afternoon, turning into evening, Uh, just a couple days before Super Bowl 58 between the Kansas City Chiefs and San Francisco 49ers. We are going through some of the prop bets right now. If you miss any of them or want to go back and check it out again, go back. And check out our Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, available wherever you may get your podcasts. All right, let's jump right back in. Uh, will anyone
7: score in the final two minutes of the first half? Uh, yes. I think that's a pretty safe bet because you always see, especially with these two teams, they always find a way at bare minimum to get into field goal range because Bucker's got a pretty good leg and Moody's got a pretty good leg. So, um, just depends on who has the ball, but I feel pretty confident in that.
2: I, I feel yes as well. Uh, these are two guys that understand the importance of that middle eight and and want to score going into halftime. Uh, there's never a bad time to score, and that's one of the best. So uh, I think this is a pretty safe bet that yes.
3: I agree. Uh, I concur with these two gentlemen over to my right that uh, yeah we're we're gonna they're gonna be able to score within the, the last two minutes.
2: There are three gentlemen to your right. One, two. He is on your right side.
3: Technically, I'm facing Ryan.
2: I don't know. We're not.
3: We're it, not doesn't the the geom- it doesn't
1: matter. It doesn't matter. No one can it, see but.
2: anyway. We could be making all of this up. We're yeah. all in four different rooms.
3: Yeah,
1: exactly. We're uh, actually not, Cam, not here. are you enjoying the safety of your couch right now? I mean, yes, I'm- I love it. It
0: feels
1: <laughs> so good. Uh, no, we're all uh, very safe and sound in the Tiger Communication Studios. But I hate to... Yeah, this can happen once or twice. I don't think know if it's happened yet. Maybe it has, maybe it hasn't, but I think we all agree this time. I, I think, yes, I think that's a smart play. Basically, what you're banking on is a game in which really no one is moving the ball at all, or a missed field goal, which, of mm-hmm. course, in the NFL just does not happen very often. And, I, look, Mahomes is awesome at the two-minute drill. I mean, they, they rattle it off in 30 seconds. And, look, San Francisco is definitely going to be more of a candidate to not be able to score in the final two minutes, but – Okay, the logic is it's final two minutes. So that means they've already had the ball kind of pre two minute warning. Therefore, uh, maybe they've already had uh, some time to start a drive or that sort of thing. So I will go yes as well. Uh, will a team score three consecutive times, not including PAT? So maybe three straight field goals, Ugh. a field goal, and two touchdowns. Basically, does anyone get on a nice run in the Super Bowl?
2: I don't know. I. I don't think so. I think these defenses are too good. I think that you're going to see two possessions, field goal, touchdown. I think you can see two touchdowns on consecutive possessions. I don't know if you get three. Three is three is a lot against this bunch, either of these bunches. Yeah,
3: I, I agree. I agree. They're they're gonna. These defenses are too good to be able to be allowing scoring like that. So I I agree.
7: Yeah, I I. I don't think that's going to happen against neither of these defenses. Maybe three field goals, but then you got to worry about, you know, if you're trailing or not. So, no, I don't think that's happening. Uh, so, in
1: agreement there, I looked this up uh, just for clarity, and I, I know this is not going to shock anyone because there was a, a huge comeback, but obviously in the San Francisco-Detroit game, uh, San Francisco did score five consecutive times. Now, obviously in the 17-10 game, uh, Kansas City and Baltimore. No one scored more than twice in a row, which was Kansas City in the second quarter. Uh, you also got to consider lower scoring games, right? If you do truly get a lower scoring game, a twenty-one to seventeen type of game, well, then one team only scored three times mm-hmm. and the other team only scored three times. So, uh, to run it consecutively is tough. Uh, I, I'm not very. I, I'm not as confident in, one, in this one actually. Is the score in the last two minutes because? You don't necessarily have to have a blowout to have this. Uh, again, San Francisco Detroit was not a blowout. Maybe it was in the process of being one, and then that's why it wasn't. But I'll say no. But again, if someone goes on a 17 0 run, two touchdowns, and a field goal, and is up seven afterwards, something like that, you know, that still would not shock me. So. Uh, I'll say no for the sake of that as well. All right, let's get into some yardage totals for some of these guys. Let's start passing yards for both quarterbacks. The over-under I've got here for Brock Purdy is 248.5. The over-under for Patrick Mahomes is 260.5.
2: I feel like for Purdy, I went with the under. I feel like if they're moving the ball, they're going to be doing it in a bunch of different ways, and part of it is going to be Christian McCaffrey and maybe Debo Samuel running the ball as much as him throwing it. So I, I think that... He, he may approach 250, but I did say under. I think he'll get close, but I think less than that. For Mahomes, I said over. I think he is – I mean, we've touched on it. He's the focal point of the offense. If he has a bad game, then they're not going to win. They have a good running game, but it's not their identity. It, their identity is defense and him doing insane stuff. So I, I went over for Patrick Mahomes.
3: So I'm actually going to go over for Brock Purdy. Uh, I think it'll be a lot of – it won't be a – It won't be a lot of like deep passes, maybe some intermediate throws, maybe a deep pass here and there, you know, a shot that obviously not consistently, but they have so many yards after the catch guys that I think that he could end up getting to that you know, that that uh, that that over. So I think I'm going to lean with the over for, for Brock Purdy. And then I actually think I'm going to go with the under for Patrick Mahomes. I know, I know, I know. 260 and a half, okay. Like, I, I know that's – that's Rambunctious right. over here. Right, but I think they're going to lean on their run game a lot more than, than you would think. Uh, I think Pacheco is going to be such a such a factor in that. Uh, I think Patrick – I'm not going to say – I think it'll be close. I think he'll probably put up, like, maybe – close to about 250, between like 240, 250 yards maybe, somewhere around there. Um, But I think he's going to go under.
7: I have brought Purdy under because I think that McDuffie and that chief secondary is just extremely good. It's so hard to get any yards on them. They use their hands really well. They don't give up any big plays. Their secondary is just really nice, and I think they're going to do well. But I also have Patrick Mahomes under as well. I think it's going to come down to the run game. If you remember, in 2019 and 2020, there was a narrative that whenever Mahomes would get to the Super Bowl, he would just flatline kind of it was just you know in the whenever they won against san francisco it wasn't really him it was their running back that game that did really good i mean he made the throws but at the end of the day he didn't have his a game against the buccaneers that year buccaneers absolutely shut down the chiefs now last year he did phenomenal against the eagles who were a very good defense so maybe maybe he'll play like that but we have seen in the super bowl that he's not invincible so i'm going to go with the under on both quarterbacks I'm tempted to do the same because, look, sometimes it's about the weapons that Kansas City has
1: and maybe just realizing that Pacheco's really good and they don't love everything going on with the receiving core. And so you try a much more balanced approach. I look back against Baltimore, so they ended up with 39 passes, 32 runs. So Mahomes, 30 of 39, but he was still under that number. He was at 241 because, again, they don't have – Maybe as much explosion with their passes, even though Mahomes has a bazooka like, of an arm.
3: It's kind of like a lot of dink and dunk.
1: Yeah, it's like what we need yeah. to scheme you open instead of just Tyreek run across the field, Mahomes <laughs> will find you uh, type of deal. Now, Rasheed Rice
3: is, is I think, you know, he's, he's, he's coming down, on. He's there. coming oh, yeah. on for oh, sure. yeah, for um, sure. I agree.
7: Gosh, but
1: I, I, I'm sold on parties under. Cam was working on me though. It was the uh, I thought I, I had yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I really I, did. I thought I, I had you. I just think that they're going to be so ball control heavy. Like I think San, Fr- San Francisco's perfect drive is going to be thirteen plays, seventy five yards, seven runs, six pass, equal yardage, move on type of deal. So I'm going to go under Purdy. I think he'll be in the two twenty, two thirty range. Mahomes, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna say slightly over. I thought about the slight under at 240, like I said, against Baltimore. I think Baltimore's defense was probably still a better than San Francisco's, though, and I think that's part of it. And I would worry San Francisco, here's their thing, got to get to Mahomes. Uh, teams have not done a very good job of that in the postseason. If you can get to Mahomes, then okay, that takes out the big play part of it, but... I, I'm actually a little more worried than, than maybe some about San Francisco actually getting home. I know they've got Bosa and some other guys up front, but um, I don't know. I, I think that it's, there's a chance Kansas City's just done such a good job protecting him. If they protect him again, I think that he will maybe get 270, 280. So I'll go under Purdy over Mahomes. All right, tight end yardages, and they are pretty different here. Kittles is 48-and-a-half,
2: and Kelsey is 70-and-a-half. 70-and-a-half is a lot of receiving yards for a tight end. It really is. I, I went with the under for that. I still think he could have a multi-touchdown game, but I don't think he quite hits 70. I did say over for 48-and-a-half for George Kittle, though. I don't really have anything to defend that line of thinking. It's just, the you know, the vibes. You said that's for Travis Kelsey?
1: The, uh, Kelsey, 70-and-a-half, what mm. I've got, and 48-and-a-half for Kittle. Are we do, we're doing both
3: right now? Yeah. Mm, okay. I'm – <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over for both. Actually, I think mm-hmm. Kittle's probably gonna have about sixty yards. And, uh, and I mean, Patrick really only looks at Travis, right? I mean, if we're being a hundred percent honest here, when he's in a try, and especially when he's in trouble, I mean, what? I mean, it's who,
2: he's he's, he's the, looking at yeah. I mean, he's looking I mean, he's, at Travis, he's a, a good tight end. He's the and, security blanket. Yes,
3: he is a hundred percent the security. And and how many catches did he have against Baltimore? Like like a lot 10 right like 10 or 11 catches and over 100 yards he's a player of the week that way yeah Yeah. i mean they're they're easy he's gonna get fed i mean i'm sure they're gonna try to bracket him and figure it out but uh uh, if the you know if you're the 49ers and and the the linebackers that, that the 49ers have can can very much keep up with travis um but yeah i'm gonna still go over 70 yards just because he is the security blanket and Patrick always looks for him. I mean, he is the first option in this offense.
7: I will go with over for George Kittle because I feel like, you know, a lot of people focus on Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, and rightfully so, but Kittle's just kind of chilling there, and I think he can be – you know, I think he can actually get open, and I think he will get – I'm not saying he's going to blow the roof off the place, but I think he will get a touchdown and maybe some – yards after catch and whatnot, so I think he's going to go over. I, and I have to agree with Cam on Kelsey getting over. I mean, if he's not throwing it to Kelsey whenever he's in trouble, who's he throwing it right. to? Kadarius? I mean, <laughs> I mean, no. Skymore, No. <laughs> he's going to throw it to Travis Kelsey. Right. So yeah. maybe Noah Gray, but <laughs> he's going to throw it to Travis Kelsey. And if Travis Kelsey doesn't have over 70 yards – I'm shocked. Uh, yeah, I'll be shocked, and I and I would be stunned if the Chiefs were able to win without that.
1: So again, this is what Kelsey's done in the postseason. Now, regular season, he had one of his worst regular seasons of his career. He's again starting to age, but 71 yards against Miami. Remember over under 70 and a half, 75 against Buffalo, and then he had over 100 last <laughs> uh, last game out yeah. there in the A.C. <laughs> title So I'm going over for Kelsey. Because, again, if I'm going over with Mahomes and he's going to throw for 280, 290, and Kelsey not get to 70, that that's probably disconnect right there So in logic. So I'm going, Kelsey's over. Kittle, I'm going to go slightly over. I don't think it's a big game that we're just like, oh, my gosh, but 50, 55 yards. Yeah, I think awesome. you can get, that. Yeah, like you get that in two or three catches.
3: Yeah, because yeah. I, I think Kittle usually has, like, one good, like, 30-yard run. Yeah, exactly. In him, so. one,
1: there's one time where Kittle overwhelms somebody, breaks loose, and looks like, a wild horse yeah. going back there. And and, and, and giggles and, the whole way. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I think he'll have one of those. Um, you know, and I think that they I think San Francisco's whole aim is balanced. Like you don't often see them only give one or two of their weapons everything. They they understand they have four or five guys they like to get the ball to. So I think you'll probably see a game where they have all three of those guys in the fifty to sixty yard range somewhere in there. So I'll go I'll go over for both. Uh, All right. So, should I? I don't know if that one's the best one. Do you care about length of longest successful field goal?
7: Well, special teams is the most important. It is the most important phase of the game. All right, parents. (laughs) You know my feelings about Iowa football.
2: I think we see one over 50 yards. Uh, Yeah. I think think both of these kickers are capable of it. And I think that uh, while both of these teams are not afraid to go for it on fourth down, I think that. They understand the right times to do it and to not do it, and I think they rely on their kickers to the point where they will attempt a fifty-yard field goal rather than go for it on like a fourth and five or something like that from past midfield. So I think we see one of more than fifty, much less uh, what's our forty-six and a half yeah. uh, in this one. So I'm going with over. Do
3: these kickers have good legs? I yes. think Butker has a good
2: leg, yeah. right? Butker but- and Moody, they can, the can both.
3: Yeah. 50 well, yeah plot, yeah but, but yeah. like accurate dude. except no, yeah, except yeah. for Anders Carlson yeah. and rest in peace yeah. <laughs> butker has <laughs> been pretty good this year but yeah okay okay I'll go I'll go over then I, I can agree to that uh the, the yeah I can go over 46 and a half i'll I'll, I'll, I'll say that, that somebody hits 50yarder
7: yeah I'll make it brief I'm pretty confident that there will be one over 46 and oh, 46 or 47 yards I'll couple in
1: one of my one of the other ones I'll say yes last two minutes of first half of 48, 50, 52-yard mm. type of field goal. So, yes, there. Uh length of longest touchdown. Now, the over-under of this kind of surprised me for high. This is like a huge play. The length of the longest touchdown over-under is 44-and-a-half.
2: That seemed high to that's, me. That's insanely high, but also yeah. you can't rule it out because we've, right. ta- we've talked about it. Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Iyuk, Um all of these guys are so capable of just ripping off a 99-yard touchdown at any time, much less one of 45 yards. So I I said under because I don't think it will happen, but it's one of those where like I'm leaning this way, but I'm not overly confident in it because I think that it could go either way.
3: Yeah, I also lean on the under on this one. I, I, I think that the, both of these teams are going to be able to move the ball methodically between the 20s. You know, between the 30s, and then then they'll start kind of taking shots, maybe. But a, deep, a, a crazy deep shot, I just don't see that happening at this point in time. Not for this game. Yeah. De- defenses are too good. Oh, yeah, I agree.
7: You know, Detroit was able to rip off some big plays against the 49ers, but um, I don't think the Chiefs are nearly as explosive as Detroit's offense really is. I mean – we haven't really seen it. they don't have someone that can really take the top off you know they they kind of go by death by a thousand paper cuts them and i don't think the, i don't think the 49ers would be able to do that against a stout chiefs defense so i'm gonna go with uh, under on that one
1: uh i'll go under two uh, same logic kind of as as you guys like yes of course this is possible Where she rise get going someone fall down like you know heck even punt return like i don't know like it's 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 all plausible uh, but I'm going to say that you're going to have to really drive on these teams. That they're not going. Their their goal is going to make you go four or five different sequences to to get first downs and that sort of thing. So I'll go under that. Let's do a couple more. And then we'll be out of time here. Uh, let's do a silly one, and then we'll do uh, one more. Well, let's do one more football one first, and we'll do the silly one. Uh, total turnovers, two and a half over Whew. under. So again, that's one team can turn over three times. You're over.
2: I'm going to say under because I feel like these running backs don't fumble a lot and these quarterbacks are smart. If nothing else, they do not put the ball in danger that often. So I'm going to say fumbles are going to be a rarity. I'm going to say that interceptions are going to be a rarity. I'm worried about special teams, but I don't see special (laughs) teams having three turnovers combined. Um, I'm going to say under. I feel like turnover. I don't. I don't think you are going to see three turnovers in this game.
3: Yeah, I'm also going to go under. I, I. I. think it'll probably go like one turnover each per team. Just. Yeah. Just kind of how it plays out. I think both defenses have the ability to make a play. I don't even think it'll truly just be a mistake. I think somebody's just going to make a play, uh, for both of these defenses. So I think it'll just be two. So I, I'm also going to go with the under.
7: I'm going to go with the under as well. I think there may be one, maybe two turnovers. I think if there is a turnover, it would not surprise me as like a Mahomes pick. And everyone starts freaking out on Twitter. Like, oh, my God, he did something wrong. And, you know, it's like that. And, you know, I, I'm going to go with the under here. Yeah, I'll go
1: under two. I think that if you if you pick the over, you're really banking on a, a Purdy disaster class. It's <laughs> probably the move Another there. Another
3: four interception game.
1: Right. I mean, that that's probably the, the most logical thing for it because – I just don't see Mahomes having, again, he's achieved enough. There's a certain level you just don't expect him to get to. I just don't think he's going to be like, oh, whoops, three interceptions or, or an interception and a costly fumble. So you're really kind of banking on San Francisco to provide the turnovers there. And then that's where I'm going to say Shanahan is going to put San Francisco in a position to not do that. Now, again, the counter is if they do get down, they get a little desperate, then they're starting to chuck a little bit more, this, that, and the other. I'm going to say it's a well-played game, though. I'll go uh, under two and a half. All right, another one for those that just like to uh, to gamble. Uh, color of <laughs> the Gatorade bath,
3: <clears throat> dude. <laughs> both both so of these
1: teams. Okay, here's, here's your. Op- you do have an option. Okay, okay. The, the option is given here is water,
2: or clear, or orange, or any other color. I think both of these teams use red as their primary color, and therefore, regardless of the win, I know if it's Kansas City, they're going to dump red on Andy Reid. There is no other option. With San Francisco, it's a little bit tougher because, yes, one of their colors is red, but they also use gold. And you could say, hey, the orange yeah, looks like gold yeah. and throw that in there. Or they could just be hydro homies and only drink water. Um, <laughs> I think, I think though, with either. if Even if I didn't have the spread of water clear or orange against the field, I still think I would pick red uh, as as my choice for this, so
3: I'm going to go with any other color. Yeah, I would. I would also go any other color. I'm thinking either red or yellow. Um, those are those oh are yeah, two yellow. I, I was thinking yellow because of the Chiefs. They could they could kind of maybe they have a little they have a little bit of yellow in there. Um, True. So I was I was thinking maybe that, and then um, yeah, red being the primary colors for both of these teams. I I, I could see that happening as well. So I'm going to go red or yellow. So any other color. Both of you
7: have brought extremely valid points to the table. Which means and you're th- going to bring something ludicrous to the table. Absolutely. Yeah, and that, that is right. because that makes too much sense. Yeah. It's Gatorade, okay? I'm going with blue because it doesn't make any sense and okay. it shouldn't make any sense. I can understand. So that. Blue, blue
2: and purple Gatorade is, is where it's at for what it's worth. I think they're the best Gatorades, even though I do
3: love me some red as well. I'm a red man.
1: Uh, blue and there's a couple different flavors of blue. Uh, cool blue glacier freeze yeah uh, i'm good there red's fine although i like red powerade more than red gatorade i don't know We're really gonna,
7: yeah I don't, mm. I don't know i also
3: uh. like red powerade more than red gatorade yeah.
7: and, and then really? i'll drink some of the yes. other gatorades but i don't i don't buy them i like blue powerade them. more than blue gatorade okay well, I, was, I, was I will
3: take gatorade every example. time regardless oh, no. regardless of color I'm, I'm a gatorade boy i'm a powerade man okay all right I've, all right have good, good different
1: opinions there mm-hmm. um I don't know. D- dump my favorite flavor of blue on there, I guess. I don't yeah, know. I'm gonna enough. take the any other color in that one because I'm gonna say it's not water not clear and then you only got one flavor of orange there so i'm going to say you know red surely something red or purple or something
2: we're failing to account for the fact that it is the nfl and they have a million coolers on the sideline and they probably have various options yeah and it's just going to be the one closest to andy reed at the time he gets done it's probably there's not so, actually any science to it at all it's yeah like, yeah it's just like oh, this one it, it could be any one of these colors yeah and it's just whichever one the players choose to pick up
1: all right, so that's pretty much it for our prop bets. I hope everyone enjoyed those. And if you want to go back and listen to that, that's the, uh, that's available on the SportsCall podcasters and my Coca Cola. But we do want to go ahead and pick a winner, of course, before we get out of here. So, final prediction for Super Bowl Fifty Eight.
3: <sighs> I am going to lean. Gosh, I this was not a Super Bowl that I wanted at all. I just want to say that, and I will. <laughs> I will continue to say that. Um, but you know, I wanted neither of these teams in. So, with that being said, I. Uh, this morning on the score, I picked the 49ers. So you know what? I'm just going to go and say I can't miss, and I'm going go to go the Chiefs this time around. Forget it. I'm just going to go ahead and pick the Chiefs. <laughs> Smart man. Um, and, and guaranteed partial for yes, credit. Guaranteed partial credit. There we go. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs this time around and because, and, I mean, I can make cases for both teams, right? And so this being a Super Bowl that I don't purely have a vested interest in like i really wanted somebody to win i would say that that it's tough to bet against mahomes uh and he's working his way towards being the greatest quarterback of all time in in a very fast fast pace and so he's uh I, i think i'm gonna go with him and and it's hard to bet against 15 man and him and andy Reid. they got something special even in a down year a down year quote unquote they are in the super bowl and that is about as impressive as it gets
2: Like we said, I think there are a lot of similarities between these two teams, especially on the defensive side. I feel like they've stacked their roster with defensive freaks. Their offenses can kind of sputter, but they can also go off for 50 at any time. So I'm looking at it as who has just the more special playmakers. Um, And while I think that the 49ers have more of those playmakers, the most important position in this game is quarterback, and the Chiefs have the best one alive. I find it impossible in any scenario to bet against Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and for that reason I'm going to take Kansas City in a close one.
7: So, you look around at the weapons and you go, "Oh, the 49ers have so, you know, such a better offense with all the weapons they have, and Ayuk Samuel, McCaffrey, you know, they have Trent Williams on the line and, you know, that George Kittle." And uh, you know, you sit there and you go, "This should favor the 49ers defense is still pretty good." But Cam, if you remember, I gave you a stat whenever the Chiefs were facing the Ravens. You did. I said that they were 16-1, now 17-1 whenever a game is in regulation. The only loss they had was to Ryan Lavoie's Tampa Bay Buccaneers where they got throttled by Tom Brady and crew. This isn't Tom Brady. This is Brock Purdy, okay? And I agree with what Brant said. The most important position it will all boil down to is quarterback, and the the Chiefs have the best one in the NFL, and Patrick Mahomes. So I'm going to go with a 20-13 to 13 Chiefs victory on Sunday for a back-to-back Super Bowl title.
1: Yeah, I, I think that for San Francisco, it's just they in this game against that defense, you're going to need per, the second-half purdy we saw in Detroit for the full game because you're going to need to avoid the mistakes that he had in the first half. Reminder, he did play very poorly in the first half against Detroit before he then turned it on in the second half. You're, they're not going to be able to afford to, to survive something like that. Uh, and then again, like I just, as you guys kind of said, Mahomes has earned enough credit at this point already to where uh, you're just not going to, with the game on the line, expect him not to get the job done. And in fact, even when they lose, like that's a trait that Brady has. Like even when they lost, like usually he delivered the drive and then something just out of, out of the control finally happened and that sort of thing, even when they lost a Super Bowl that he threw 500 yards in. <laughs> well, obviously they get 45 points. So uh, that was a rough one to cover from. So I think that similar to that, Mahomes is not going to lose them, lose them the game, and they have a genuinely really, really good defense. So I think they will hold San Francisco down. I think it will be tough for San Francisco to really sustain the drives that they're going to need because, okay, you'd love to get a big play or two on, a, on a on a good defense so that you don't have to grind out 75 consecutive yards. I think they're going to have trouble doing that, and then, therefore, they're going to have trouble getting the five, third, and mediums that they're going to need in this game, the thirds and sixes and sevens. And so I think that favors Kansas City. And then, again, if it's close late, Mahomes will deliver the drive. So something in the uh, 24-17 to vicinity, I've got Kansas City winning as well. Real quickly, the nightly TV guy presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. (laughs) Number 18, Dayton goes to Virginia Commonwealth, 6 o'clock on ESPN2. And men's college basketball, you've got men's college hockey, number 8, Minnesota versus Penn State, 6 o'clock on FS1. Also, women's college gymnastics, 8 o'clock in Neville Arena on the SEC Network. Number 7, Alabama, number 14, Auburn, Friday Night Heights there on the SEC Network. And one movie pick for you tonight is at 6 o'clock on Sci-Fi. at Shrek. Did not know that that was a movie for Sci-Fi, but alas, that's where you can find it's it. It's a banger. That is Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. And that will do it for the show today. T.P. Hammock, thanks for joining us and running the board. Appreciate you, sir. Thank you, as always. Brent Daughtry, thank you for joining us today. Hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy calling some Auburn softball for Weagle this weekend. Thank you for having me. And Cam Berry, thank you for being here. I hope you have a great weekend. We'll see you again next week. See you next week. Again, that will do it for the show today. Day. Had a lot of fun doing those Super Bowl prop bets. Again, check that out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in for TP Hammock, Brent Dantry and Cam Berry. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great weekend. Enjoy Super Bowl 58, and we'll talk to you again on Monday.